everybody, and welcome to an interseason episode of Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also as always, it's Matthew Stogden. You like pain? Try sequelizing! That's my uh, Kira Knightley. <laughs> <laughs> I, saw, I saw the teeth and the jaw. Yeah, like, yeah. Them, yeah. Oh, what locks? <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. It's not good, but it's, it's, <laughs> but it's not bad. The key thing is it's not bad. Yeah. It's not like, oh my God, Kira Knightley's in the room. But it was like, <laughs> if you'd asked me who am I doing an impression of, I'd be like, Kira Knightley, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like an Arnie impression. It's, it'll do the job. Yeah, everybody just yeah. goes. And yeah, like, he doesn't make that noise. You're that like Bain Joseph. <laughs> 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 I wearing a corset. <laughs> <laughs> you probably. I don't know if he has to like sculpt yourself for Mister Olympia or whatever. He's, he's not Shatner. No. No, 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 no girdle for him. <laughs> no girdle for Schwarzenegger. No, no, he's not Danny Glover. The name of our new podcast. <laughs> There's a little in-joke for the origins of the entire show there for you, folks. <laughs> and speaking of men who don't wear girdles, it's Tim <laughs> quite, cl- quite clearly. <laughs> there are things on your boat that no one has ever seen. These shells, the music box, and the reflecting glass. Well, if not from bad sequels, from where? Where? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> wow. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go on an adventure this week. A voyage, one might say. A voyage, <gasps> some might say, Tim. A swim? <laughs> a bon voyage. Ah, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, we're gonna be journeying to the have, depths of to, our to the depth. cinematic horizons. Yes, also the sea. God, I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> this episode's about the sea, ladies and gentlemen. Whether that's films set on the sea or in the sea or about the sea, we're gonna discuss that. Similar to how we did movie vehicles, we're kind of gonna come up with some definitions and different categories and stuff. Yeah. I won't delve into the Merriam-Webster dictionary as much as I did on that episode, perhaps, because <laughs> literally the first half of that episode was us defining the word vehicle. True. People enjoyed it, apparently. It was the big debate. People then carried on the debate <laughs> We had a few afterwards. tweets about, like, yeah. I really enjoyed you guys talking about the word vehicle. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, get ready for the word sea. <laughs> Is it an ocean? Who knows? Are they the same thing? Who what knows? would one call a person who voyages on the sea a sea man? 2022, Matthew, a sea person. Jizz! Yeah. A sea jizz. <laughs> no, that's that's the... Uh, sea foam that brushes the shore every night. That's the musical genre in Star Wars. It is. Oh, yeah. fucking, yeah, yeah. That's Max Rebo's uh, musical thin, genre of choice. Thin noodlings, or whatever they're called. <laughs> uh, yeah, they Do you are mean uh, Figger and Dan and the Modal Notes? Yes. Thin noodlings, that's <laughs> what I mean. <laughs> they're, they're bits, did you know? Yeah. Fucking Star Wars, man. Then, <laughs> spoiler alert, they came back in Book of Boba Fett. Camino and motherfuckers. Max, Max, Max Rebo and probably Figrin Dan yeah. are in Book of Boba Fett. Playing Cantina Band theme variation. Spoilers. <laughs> like a weird <laughs> reggae thing. It's yeah, weird. it wasn't good. Anyway. Yeah, uh, this was, by the way, uh, chosen by the patrons. It, it was, yeah. Mm. And not a EP pick like we often have. No. This is actually a vote. Yes, exactly. We put a poll up on Patreon for a few different topics. I was about to ask you, what are those topics, Matthew? But you're taking an incredibly long drink of water. They were land, air, and sea. Mm. We thought it'd be a nice range of things we could talk about. Yeah. Uh, sea one, and uh, here we are. <laughs> yes. And if you'd like to join those lovely people on patreon.com slash sequelizers, you can. You get to vote on things, whether that's during the main season. We've already had the vote for season 10. People have picked that fucking movie that I'm going to have to fix. Oh, it wasn't that bad. I mean, you, no, in the relative scheme of the season 10, there's some awful it's shit. It's not that bad. No. Yeah. I think I maybe have the worst. You no. Do. You do. Yes. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think I have the, which was an EP pick. You, you have the short straw this season. Yeah, I do. 
So like I said, you can vote on the season episodes, some of the in-season episodes. You can get ad-free and early access episodes as well. Bonus content, including outtakes, full interseason episodes that are exclusive on Patreon during the interseason, and movie commentaries are coming back for season 10. I'm excited. I can't wait. They're always a lot of fun and very silly. Very exciting. <laughs> and I will get Tim to watch Cats, even, <laughs> even though we're not fixing Cats. That is my mission in 2022, mm. is that we will record a movie commentary for 2018, I want to say, 2019, 2019's Cats. Yeah. yeah. With Tim, yeah, you've still not seen it. Still not seen it. Oh, Some would say it got... caused the pandemic. Yeah, I would argue. It, yeah. it, it, it's not scientifically accurate, <laughs> but I blame it. cats. C- COVID passed over from human cat hybrids to humans, and yeah. uh, that's how it spread via the butthole. I hear. Yeah, Tim, what's the first letter of COVID? Cats. <laughs> <laughs> the C stands for cats. Yeah, the Ovid stands for cats. <laughs> Ovid, like the poet, metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. Into cat. From human to cat. Yeah, come on. It's all there. From one virus to another. You just have to do the research. Illuminati confirmed. Yeah. Yeah. Who are the patrons? <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, you can also get merch, exclusive merch. You can get discounts on our merch store and a bunch of other bonus cool stuff. Mm. And if you go up to the highest of tiers, you can become an executive producer like these fine folks have done. And they get a shout out on the show. And you get to pick some of them, you get to pick things season 10 mm. and i regret giving them that option but you know we've made our bed now we must sleep in it yep the executive producers for this week are Who lives in a pineapple under the sea? james mcdowell Philip Morgan Josh van der Sloos Michael Belcher Colin Thompson Josh Miles Jonathan Firth-Clark Zenos Stuart Main and Hyper Dude Man Thank you executive producers your support makes all this stuff possible basically all the in-season stuff all the extended seasons we're now doing 12 episodes per season and all that good stuff and yeah the commentaries are coming back by popular request. Mm-hmm. We will have new merch coming out like in the middle of season 10 somewhere. I can't remember quite where it is for our fifth anniversary, which is in May. Yep. Fifth anniversary of episode one. That's mental. It's weird. It's a weird thing to say, but yeah. yeah. Cool new merch coming. Mm. Not just t-shirts this time, I promise. There's actually yeah. different stuff. I know a few people have been requesting stuff on the Discord, mm-hmm. which you can also go and check out, by the way. Please go and check out our Discord. Cool new merch coming up soon. We promise. Our yeah. fifth anniversary coming up soon. I think it's like in the third or fourth or fifth episode of season 10. Yeah. And we'll announce it properly close to the time and let you know when that's all mm. the big launch and stuff. Yeah. So if you can afford to support the show, thank you very much. We do appreciate it. If you can't, don't worry. Other people have got your back. Exactly. That's, exactly. that's how it works. So let's dive into the depths, shall we? Uh, I don't like the sea. It scares me. But right. I live yeah. on an island. <laughs> I mean, you live on an island that's enough. B- that's big enough that you don't have, enough to, see you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we are, the we sea's are, coming we from me, mate. Reason, yeah, we're reasonably coastal here in Norfolk. Yes, below sea level. And yeah, and below sea level as well. Mm. 
So, so if, if the floods do happen... To, to put it in context... Um, if you're up a hill, Matt, you'll be fine. It's, <laughs> yes, this is true. Um, to put it in context, I, I said... Throw away line about... I'm not afraid of the sea, per se. I have a very big phobia of what's in the sea. Not going to Squidly diddly? No, I'm fine with squidly diddly. Uh, shark. No, I'm fine with sharks. Um, sea cucumbers. Damn it. <laughs> no, no. It's not Anemones. No, it's not anemones. Jellyfish. Um, it's not jellyfish. Um, Ooh, we're not going to list animals be? forever. Ever. <laughs> I know what it is. It's, it's Godzilla. Um, so <laughs> ah, he lives at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. In a pineapple under the sea. This is true. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> You're scared of sponges. <laughs> Shut up. Um, so that explains the smell. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you be so accurate? It's whales, folks. Man doesn't like whales. Yes, I don't like whales. Thanks, Star um, Trek. But yeah, we do live on an island. We have uh, in in the islands of Great Britain, um, the British Isles. The British Isles. I think um, it's two different things. Yeah, but the the key point there is that I remember going on a school exchange to Germany and them saying, "Oh yes, oh, Germans love the sea naturally." I'm like, "Who the fr-? but okay." But we're a landlocked country, so it's so hard to get to the sea. I'm like, oh yeah, you are. <laughs> oh, that's weird. Because I'm like, you only walk for a little while in Britain and you get to the sea. <laughs> it, yeah, you, you head yeah. a few hours in any direction and you hit the water pretty much. Precisely. Because Britain is small. Mm. Yeah, and British history, and this is a bit of the colonial bullshit here, but it's kind of an interesting and important thing about how we're taught about things. The British Navy and how the sea has done us so many favours over the mm. years, how we arguably, in inverted commas, won a lot of wars or whatever, is because yeah. we're in isolation and stuff. Um, and why our weather is so inclement and changes so frequently and dramatically, because again, we're part of the sea. And for, for me, my sort of West Irish heritage, it's all sea, fish, yes. trawlers kind of things. It's, yeah. it's all part of it. Um, so I don't think I've ever really appreciated it until I've been to like, you know, Midwest America or a big landlocked part of Europe, and you go, oh yeah. The sea plays a huge part of my culture and my history. I just never acknowledge it because mm. Britain kind of doesn't, doesn't. So for example, you're in Norway, you're like, yeah, the fjords, the sea, it's everything. It's Vikings, it's journeying, it's the things we eat. Everything is defined by the sea. Britain has like, well, we've got an empire because we could, you know, get out to places quite quickly and, you know, fish and chips. It's like, yes, that's odd. But the sea is a big part of our history and culture in Britain. So, you know, you'd think we'd have this huge affinity for sea movies mm. and like oh yeah there's be tons of really classic british movies like actually kind of hmm. we'll get to that mm. i think the fact that our capital is not on the sea it's on a river, it's, a river. But it's not on the sea um mm. probably has an impact on that yeah um in the same point it's interesting because you you know new york is right is, is on an island <laughs> um precisely yes but you don't really think of that as an island, either as an island or as a thing that has a close affinity it, to the sea until when you get called, down to the docks. Yeah, even when it's called Long Island, you don't think it's an yeah, island. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a valid point. And I think because obviously it's a big, uh, big landmass, uh, mm. North America in general, you think of the coastal regions of like Seattle and mm. uh, Miami and things, and they are on the sea. Mm. But at the same time, because you've got so much landmass behind it, you don't yeah. tend to think of it as the same thing. It's a very, it's a very weird one. Our port towns is what we tend to call them. Yeah, like Portsmouth and Southampton yeah. and stuff. And places like Liverpool and yeah. stuff obviously yeah. have a huge mm. like shipbuilding and yeah. fishing history. And yeah. you know, a lot of the places along the uh, the east coast mm. onto the North Sea, you're kind of Whitby's and Blackpools and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, precisely. Um, so this geography, by the way, is important. It's it's mm. fundamentally a big point of what we're getting into. Um, because the first thing to clarify, because Tim just sort of hinted at it, to, for this episode specifically, we're talking about the sea. Yes. Saltwater shit. So if you're thinking, oh yeah, anaconda. Mm. Nope, that's a river. 
<laughs> I mentioned Piranha earlier as well with like yep. River. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So um, <laughs> that's its own category, its own thing. And, and we're is... also ruling out things like the Black Sea and the Red Sea and stuff like that. That's yeah, I contain sort of thing. Sometimes yeah. we yeah, it depends on maybe examples. Oh yeah, those possibly. yeah, landlocked yeah, large bodies of water that are lakes, lakes but called seas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and we had another discussion about beaches because some things were like if the if the sea is an important part of it and it's not just cove adjacent, then it counts. If it's mm. purely the beach and the land side of things, mm, less so. So old, aka the beach that makes you old. Yep, is not a sea movie. I don't think so. It's the there beach. you go. It's a beach movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Confirmed. Yeah. Thanks, M. Night Shyamalan. Free Willy. You fucked it again. Sea movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Flipper. Sea yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. just list them all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we have actually got a list. We do have a list. So what we And started... different categories within that list, which I think is important. Yeah. We So we had a list of... Um, we, we will get our own picks specifically on why we chose them, so on and so forth. But we actually decided to start breaking down, you know, movies that are majority at sea. So Tim and I were sitting down at one point and saying, Amistad? Like the, the key crucial mm. bits happen in sea. It's like, nah, it's mostly the, the court scenes and the jail. Mm. A lot of it's really on land. I don't know mm. that counts. Like, fair enough. So that sort of thing. So we're trying to think what ma- the majority of it's at sea or is so integral to the story, essentially, and, and so yeah. forth. And then we started listing them and breaking them into categories, saying, are there any more? Is there anything else that counts? And let's just talk about things before we get into the, the, how we divided these things. Mm. Let's just talk very briefly about the practicality. So think to yourself just now, dear listener, of a couple of sea movies. Like, oh, okay, films that are like entirely set at sea. Not just like a couple of scenes here and there, but mm. mostly at sea. And you come up with a couple of titles, which we'll probably cover later. And it's like, great. And if they're not animated, now try and think about the logistics of filming that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> think about the idea of all that electronic equipment you are bringing out to <laughs> Those water. heavy cameras filled with expensive, irreplaceable yeah. film that mm-hmm. can't get wet. And at the end of a long day, after you've shot all this, you know, once in a lifetime kind of footage and audio stuff, and you've captured all things, you need to get that back to dry land. Yep. And after all that sudden done, after all these things are there, where do your crew and your cast piss? <laughs> <laughs> in the sea. Into the sea. Yeah. <laughs> That's the least of your problems. <laughs> we'll come back to that when we talk about Waterworld. Um, but yeah, the practicality of it, you know, what happens if something goes wrong, the dangers, the hazards, the, the mm. fucking health and safety. The, the, do we film this on a back lot somewhere where it's a, mm. just this huge tank? Do we use CGI? Do we film the majority of it inside a boat to avoid that kind of mm. stuff? Et cetera, et cetera. Um, even, even just the very simple practicality of we want this shot to be steady. Th- there we go. It is filming yeah. a person, perhaps, say, swimming in the sea. Mm-hmm. We are on a boat Mm-hmm. You know, we've we've gone out. We're not doing this in a tank. We've got we, we you know they've they've had a shipwreck, so we want to get that real vastness of the ocean and stuff like that. Before steady cams, how the hell do you even do that? Yeah, and 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 it's not even. And Tim, you have nailed on the head. Steady cam alone is like that's going to do you immense amount of papers with the evolution of technology and even the waterproofing of technology to get these things. You get mm. these underwater shots wherever it needs to be. That's a part of it. But if you're shooting a boat, so say let's do Jaws for example. Mm-hmm. You've got the um, the orca. It's just sitting there, right? It's like, lovely. Great. There's my actors over there. Fantastic. Uh, I want to film a, just a wide shot of the boat. Great. Okay. So you have to be on a separate boat. Okay. Boats don't just sit still. Yes. They list around quite literally. And there's currents. There's and currents. there's waves. Yeah. And if you want to like film the shot, but the boat's slowly turning around, you're like, hang on, I'll move the camera, then it's fine. It's like, but I want this to be a static shot. You ain't going to get that. Okay, fine. And obviously the boat's just move bobbing on the waves. But also... Well, we'll just start the engine up, go a bit closer. No, no, no. 
because our boat will cause ripples and waves in the water, which will look back. It's like, oh, well, then we'll sit mm. for a few seconds for it to settle. Oh, no, the boat, boat's just sort of drifted away. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, nightmare. We, we touched on this when we talked about the Orca, funnily enough, one of my picks in the movie vehicles episode, where they had another boat attached to it that the crew was on. Yeah. Mm. So, like you said, Matt, you don't have them like driving side by side next to each other and causing all this like disruption and ripples and stuff. You just have essentially like a static block boat that's just there next to mm. the functioning orca or the non-functioning orca because again you have to have backups of this shit because stuff goes wrong or mm. you end up the classic thing they build like this big like basically a giant swimming pool in a parking lot is usually yeah. how that's how mm. a lot of the pirates of the caribbean stuff is shot how loads of the kind of like oh if it's a close-up of a sea thing and you're not seeing a big kind of wide shot it's just oh here's a boat here and mm. you know you don't see too much of the sea behind it. It's just a bunch of choppy water. It's usually a big tank yeah. in, in a yeah. fucking Elevated parking Elevated up enough so that you can just see the sky behind it exactly. rather than anything else. Exactly, yeah. They, they're these huge, like, 15, 20-foot tall, like, hot, cold hot tub type looking thing. <laughs> like, a cold tub. 30s, 40s, 50s, it's likely a back lot somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then they still do it in, like, car parks and parking it's lots true. these days. Mm. It's, it's crazy. And seeing how much... You know, tying that together with like real footage being then tied into like, oh, we'll CGI the background around it. So you have a real actor on a real boat, on a real set with real water that they're interacting with. But if you move five feet away from everything is CGI, you have that practical element. And they did a lot of that in Jaws, blending that real, oh, the real orca is actually out at sea and this is the functioning fishing boat. Mm -hmm. This is the actual like lobster trawler that they used. And again, we talked about a couple of episodes ago. And then here's this bit of a boat. There's this front bit that they can just blow up and do what they want and all kinds of stuff and shift and change it around and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. The fact you have to have multiple things so you can do a moving wide shot or a close-up shot or a this or a that and not having to factor in all the complications that come with waves and water and animals and all this kind of stuff. The classic don't work with animals, don't work <laughs> with children. It's like, don't try and film on the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just even very basic things like if you're filming during a storm, you don't want water on your unless you're doing something where you're happy to remind people that there is a camera there filming the thing. Yeah, mm. you don't want water on the lens. Yep. Uh, yep. Boats are noisy. Yeah. Uh, for the mo- especially if they have an engine, like obviously a big old ship has oh, lots of noise on yeah, it. Yeah, a yeah. sailboat, but doesn't generate noise to mm, go along. Lots of creaking and yes. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, if you're if you're on a an engine-powered boat, Yeah, those are noisy. Uh, and if you want to get dialogue, then you're maybe ADRing it or, or you know, whatever. And if not, then you're, you've got soundmen on that yeah. boat as well. Even if you're filming it from far away, yeah. you know, you may be... There's so many different... And that's not including wind. Yes. Because there's no coverage. It's yeah. just the wind. It's yeah. just the wind, yeah. Yeah, the fact that you're completely open to the elements, even outside of the water below you, you've got wind, you've got rain, you've got... Uh, the, you can't control the lighting because yeah. it's just fucking sky. It's so changeable. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. No continuity for you. So that aside, with regards to, like, we know this is a very difficult thing. It's like, so if you're thinking to yourself, oh yeah, there must be tons of them. That's why there's quite a limited number. Yeah. Because the logistic nightmare. There's so many famous nightmarish shoots yeah. in the ocean. Jaws, Jaws Waterworld, Water yeah. you know. Speed 2 Cruise Control. Speed 2 Cruise uh, Control. Ben-Hur isn't a water film per se, but there's a big water sequence and it was partly problematic because they wanted the water to look blue. So they dyed it. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, 
I think a couple of extras were like in the water splashing. Oh no, I'm drowning! Oh no, 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 no. But the dye dyed their skin for like a couple of years, and I think they stayed on retainer for whichever I think like Warner Brothers or Fox or something paid them every, like a, 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 a large amount of money at the time for every year their skin was still blue and they couldn't get work. Mm. But it's like I mean, it's, it sounds a silly thing to say as a comparison. But it's like no, because the water was so fucking problematic. It's like what yeah. do we do with this? Yeah, crazy stuff. So should we talk about how we've decided to sort of break them down to categories? Yeah, absolutely. First one is animal attacks. I think jaws and, and things of that ilk are the thing that, that instantly yeah. spring to mind for me when you think mm-hmm. film set at sea, animal attacks is a big factor in that, I think. I think it's yeah. it's one of the key themes that you can tap into when you're dealing with the ocean is isolation. Mm, and that makes so. any threat so much scarier because you've got you've got the ocean is already a threat. Like it's not, <laughs> it's always are, trying to kill you. It's yeah. always trying to kill you. We are not designed to be out there for long extended periods. We of came time. from the sea. We don't need to go back to it. Yes. Then add in another threat, for example, say a shark or something else like that. And then the ocean then, as, as we've talked about, it complicates filming. Mm. Trying to survive something on the ocean is, is like two different layers of survival. You have yes, both yes. the thing itself and then you have the environment that is trying to kill you. Yeah. And you have the fact that you could well be very far from other people, very hard to find. You know, um, it's it's a it's sort of a variant of anything where you're where people are in out in the wilderness, you know, yeah. uh, you know, the grey or something like that. And the ocean is almost like the starkest version of that. It is. And I think there's something very primal about it, because whenever you and it, this is proper like, you know, dickhead in a pub sort of moment whereby if you say, right, right, right. You're stuck in the woods. Okay, okay. There's a wolf coming for you. A mm. pack of wolves. What do you do? And they start rationalizing. Mm. Oh, I've seen fucking the Bourne Legacy. I know what to do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I get a drone strike. Um, no, you're like, oh, I could climb a tree, or I could fashion a weapon, or I could mm. blah 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 blah. Okay, fine. You're in the uh, the, the the mountains and a bear. Oh, okay, that's mm. different. Yeah, but you know, etc. I'm mm. in the Serengeti and there's a lion. Fuck. You know, all these mm. different scenarios, but there's a l- usual logic of like, well, maybe, mm. maybe, maybe. You're in the desert and there's a really angry camel coming for you. Yeah. It's going to fucking spit in your mouth. <laughs> Pervert camel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can sort of TikTok about that. Um, but the sea is different because it's like, well, I'll just fashion it out of what? Yeah. And I'll just hit them with what? You know how much slower you move underwater? It's like oh, fucking God. space. It's like, oh, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Well, I'll just climb mm. a boat. Do you know if you have a boat? Good point. I don't know. I'll just swim to shore. Can you see the shore? Oh, I don't know. Mm. This thing is faster than you. The sea is deep. And also, as you said, like I said, like, you know, exposure in the wilderness, like you're in the, you know, the heat, the cold, mm. the whatever it happens to be, the, the rain, whatever. There's enough of, of, a, of, a, of a variety to the landscape that you could argue it. Sea's just the sea. Yeah. And yes, okay, there might be a ton of things on the surface bed, the corals or something that's interesting down there that you could use to like fasten as a weapon or, or just, you know, debris of shit that we've left in plastic and things like that. Find find that big plastic whirlpool in the middle of the Pacific and climb on that. Yeah, exactly. Problem solved. And then die from... (laughs) Yeah, inhaling all the fucking... Yeah, exactly. But that's the that's kind of the thing. It's like, what would you what would you, what would you get? I'd have this plastic bag. <laughs> Fuck yeah. you, Jaws. I'd have this partially degraded milk bottle that I'd use to yeah. fight off this great white shark. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Eat that, Bruce. But even then, it's the, the fact that you cannot climb, you cannot move below, you cannot hide because mm. you are on the surface and you need to breathe. Yeah. So it is a fucking terrifying 
obstacle. And for, for a lot of uh, human history, it has been an obstacle. Mm. It's a thing you can't overcome. So the idea of like, as you say, the, the, out there in the wilderness, there's a thing trying to kill you. Oh shit, what is it? Oh, it's a big ass squid. It's a giant octopus. It's a fucking whale. It's a shark. Mm. It's piranhas. It's like, okay, how do I fight that? It's like, get away from it. Get basically. away. Yeah, it's, it's, it's run the fuck away. Well, run is swim away. And it's like, yeah. yeah, and that thing swims faster than you. Because you say, well, I might not, I can't outrun a cheetah. It's like, no, but I might be able to do, you, you do this yeah. rational logic. I can hide from it, maybe. Yeah. How do you hide in the sea? Yeah. It can smell your blood. <laughs> um, it's terrifying. Yeah. And some key examples, just to, just to name a few in case people are mm. thinking about what, what we have. We've listed um, 47 meters down. That's shark. Uh, deep blue sea. Sharks. Shark. In the heart of the sea. Big ass whale. Mm-hmm. And mutiny. Jaws. Shark. The Meg. Dinosaur shark. Dinosaur shark. Yeah. yeah. Sharkosaur. Yeah. Moby Dick. Whale. Open water. Shark. Shallows. Shark. Yeah. Now, obviously, there are tons of other examples, but just to give you a few... Sharks tend to be the thing, and to, to this day, shark attacks. And Australians always talk about this because they're the ones who get attacked by them mm. the most. But that's like, yeah, it's quite rare to get you get attacked by a shark. Yeah, the the amount of sharks killed by humans compared to humans killed by sharks is, I think, actually, just recently, mm. it, we there was a fatal shark attack, and it was the first one in something like sixteen years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's very rare. But the idea of it is terrifying. Yeah. And film heightens that. Yeah. And yeah. preys on that fear. I know probably. Emma is deathly afraid of sharks. In the same way you're afraid of whales, man. Mine is such an irrational phobia. Yours is mental. <laughs> <laughs> Shark, sharks are like scary looking. Well, whales are whales bigger are up to something. Chill, no one needs to be that chill, fucking cool big. Chill, cool dudes, right? Nah, they're... they're or- sh- orcas are the fucking scary ones. The, orcas oh, no, it, I, orcas are the that. ones you should be orcas worried about. Orcas are fucking brutal Killer whales yeah. are yeah. The, the scariest motherfuckers they in the ocean. They are evil. They recently discovered they eat blue whales. Yeah. They, Mental. they toy with their prey. Yeah, they torture yeah. things to death. Yeah. They play with the dead. Like, they, they chuck it about. It's really fucked up. I don't see a lot of killer whale movies that are bad because people go, no, I like free whale. Are there any yeah. like good, well-produced killer whale? I mean, there are, they exist, but they're attack. not good. That's what. I, that's the, why the I, best one. That's why I specified. Yeah, yeah there's one uh, uh, with Marion Cotillard, which is a different sort of thing. Yeah, um, is that Rust and Bone. Yes, which isn't really a sea movie; so it's a Sea World movie. Yeah, um, but it, it's it's it, it sort of, but it's a very interesting one and a fantastic movie, but less in this mm. thing. Um, but yeah, they tend to be along the lines of. A sort of sort of horror angle a lot of the time, yeah. But still grounded in in science. Mm. It's even, still credible. Even, even, even the Meg, even the Meg and uh, Deep Blue Sea have yeah. a sort of like a shimmer of, of yeah rooting in reality. It's the relatability. It's not like oh, what's the thing under there. It's the Kraken. Yeah. It's like oh no no this is a it's a, it's it's a yeah. type of shark. It's either really old or really modified, but it's still a type of shark. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. It's a yeah. shark. That can swim backwards. Oh, fuck. Ah. It's a shark that can stop. It's like, what? I thought they'd die if they stopped. <laughs> yeah. Not this one. No! So that's our, that's our, that's our first category of, of, of sea-based movie, which does segue into the next one quite well, which is uh, the more sci-fi horror aspect. Mm. So this is, this is where you get to really big fantasy aspects. This is a bit of a broad catch-all for fantasy and horror and other bits and pieces. So again, these are your... You know, impossible creatures mm. uh, at the bottom of the sea, as it were. So, just an example, you got the old um, Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, being the uh, Kirk Douglas film, and a few other versions. To be fair, uh, the Abyss. Still don't care for the Abyss. I like the Abyss. Yeah, I don't care for it. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, Aquaman. Don't care for Aquaman. 
Uh, it's a good film. You're nope. Right. I like Aquaman. Nope. Yeah. Bad movie. Battleship. That's nonsense. That's one of the worst films. Yeah. Deep Rising. Tim and I fucking love Deep Rising. Yep. I've not seen Deep Rising. We know. We're going to rectify that with like a commentary or something. <laughs> no, no need for it, but we want to do it. I, I still love that. I don't know. I don't know yeah. why, but I really love that film. Yeah. God, it's good. Um, Ghost Ship. Carl Urban. Yeah. Another good film. My boy. Carl Urban. Yeah. Sphere, which again, and then Michael Crichton. Uh, mm. Was it 96 Sphere came out? Yeah. Who is it? Sharon Stone? Sharon Stone, Dustin Hoffman, Samuel Jackson. Yeah. I don't dislike it. Um, I always get that and the Abyss confused. I can understand why. Because they were both about the same time, weren't they? No, I think Abyss was like 89. So it was a good oh, like, okay, five, six, yeah, six. Well, no. I mean, can, can, at the in time, the grand scheme of things. In, yeah, yes. exactly. In, 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 if we say, like, for example, like, oh. So like 20 years apart. They were both about 30 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Roughly. That's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But at the time, you know, they would have been like, leagues apart. How dare you, Tim? But it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Triangle. Very sort of low budget kind of horror yeah. movie. But pretty decent. I don't yeah. I, I like Triangle. I think yeah. it's well executed. Yeah. It's solid. Time loop as well. Yeah. Which is very fashionable nowadays. Mm, it is. Very on trend. I'm not saying I kicked that off because I didn't, but I've involved it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. um, underwater that came out just before the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually okay. I like, I like Underwater quite a lot. Yeah, Kristen Stewart's pretty good in that. Virus, which is bad. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, one of the Baldwins. I think it's William Baldwin's in that. And Jamie yep. Curtis. Um, and a video game adaptation, I remember. Oh my God, there was. Like the PS1 or some shit. Yeah. yeah. God, that was bad. Um, and a big one we need to talk about, Waterworld. Oh no. <laughs> the, one of the films people tend to think about. One of the mm-hmm. most yeah. infamous sea movies. Mm. I don't know. Just to, before we dive into Waterworld. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> An interesting thing that just struck me there, and I don't know if this is just because I've recently been playing Subnautica, uh, which is uh, a kind of survival game based on like an alien planet that's mostly ocean. Mm-hmm. But we've got sci-fi and fantasy films there, mostly sci-fi. Yes. But nothing set on an alien planet. Well, this was the thing. I was thinking about versions of that because we've got the Camino thing in Attack of the Clones. We've got yeah. the big old wave planet in Interstellar. Mm. I'm trying to think of predominantly sea-based as in like the same quantity we're saying here where it's yeah mostly at space sea yeah <laughs> yeah and, and it's it, hard it's it even like whales done, whales it? in space and stuff like that but that's not a bit of star trek yeah yeah uh, treasure planet no. yeah treasure planet might be yeah. the closest yeah. mm. But even love, that's in love space rather than space. Yeah, it's space de- is definitely a space it's, movie. It's space a with movie. a C aesthetic. Yeah, because the, well, <laughs> as, as as has been the the best way of doing space ever is Trader submarine. Which <laughs> is um is um submarine movies. Yes, it's basically what it is because space is the same sort of thing. Just it's the same point. Deadly vacuum because not just like <laughs> on a boat where you can get out and go. Oh, I'll be fine. So, no, yeah. you can't get out of a submarine, motherfucker. Yeah, that's it. Everyone is together in this very small space with the same recycled air, etc. Uh, the difference is that the thing can surface and all that sort of stuff. So when you get like, you know, space stuff where people go from place to place, like Ad Astra or something, mm. Ad Astra is very much framed to me like a, an old 16th century exploration mm. thing where it's like you have these very small outposts which have minimal people on and minimal supplies. It's like, yeah, yeah, because nobody is here. And this giant, vast chasm of things between is the, is the danger space and things so yeah, you're right tim i think you don't get a lot of space world sea planet stuff i mean you know start june caladan's very yeah. sea yeah but filmed in ireland and yeah britain and stuff like yeah yeah but it doesn't coastal areas yeah it's like it's almost like i want to do a science fiction yeah. space 
It's like, well, why do you For some reason, we've had a lot of spaceships coming out of the sea recently, which don't get True. me started on the physics for that. Happens in Dune, happens in Star Trek, happens in Star Wars. Like, we don't need that. That's probably not how starships work. Yeah. It's like the bit in Future Armor where they're, I can't remember where it is they are, but they're, they're, they're in, it might be when they go inside Fry's body or they go underwater for whatever reason and they're sure. like, oh, you know, we're reading pressure of like, you know, 14 atmospheres. It's like, well, how many is the ship designed to cope with? Well, given that it's a spaceship, between one and zero. Yeah, exa <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, nice. So the sci-fi horror angle is a bit of a weird one because it's either it's either an extension of the animal attack where it's a weird, creepy monster thing in mm -hmm. some, some, some strange, not, not just like a, 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 oh, that's a, a version of a shark. It's like, no, that's a thing we've never seen before. So Lovecraftian squidly diddly or whatever. Precisely. Yeah. Deep Rising, we're looking at you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and other things that I won't spoil. Oh yeah, yeah. yes, yeah, I was yeah. agree with that. Yeah, uh, or ghosts, as in like ghosts, ghosts. And that kind of, yeah, yeah. Um, and Waterworld is less about that, and more about the idea of the world itself being. Yes. Take Mad Max that's in a desert. Yep. Put it on water and make it shit. Yep. Yeah. And it's, it's, post, it's weird post-apocalyptic brown. Uh, yeah, brown it was blue. one of the. It was the most expensive movie ever made at the time. Yeah. yeah. This is 1995. Bear in mind the budget of a hundred and seventy-five million dollars i feel that's like 300 and something million dollars yeah. in today money i mm. feel the only reason they have a water world exhibit at like or, or show as it were at all the universal studios they're still, still trying to make, make their money, money back, back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. um uh, it was the highest grossing movie or one of the highest grossing movies of 1995 but still didn't still make enough. its money uh, back. Yeah. so enough. to put it in perspective like i said 175 million dollar budget which is mental mm. it made 265 and as we talk about all the time, marketing budget is marketing not budget. tied into that. So that smashes straight through that what appears to be $90 million profit. That disappears very quickly, and this yeah. film does not make any money. I want to do a little uh, classic sequelizers for you guys. What does Waterworld have on Rotten Tomatoes? Oh. <laughs> Gentlemen. I'm going to say it's going to be quite mild. 31. 31. I'll give you a clue. You can you can change your answer now. I'm giving you clues. Yeah, get it. Sixty-one reviews for quite, the critics, mm -hmm. uh, and a hundred thousand for hundred thousand plus, obviously. Yeah, for the audience. I'm gonna They're relatively small. I'm gonna say twenty-two for critics, seventy-four for audience. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Are you sticking with your thirty-one? I'll, I'll say thirty-one for critic, okay. yeah. and I'll say uh, sixty-one for audience. Matthew are closer on both. Okay. They're very close to each other. Oh, interesting. And they're both in the 40s, interestingly enough. Mm. 48 for critics mm. and 43 for audience. Weird. Wow. Yeah. Weird. But I, I think, it, I I think remember, it's worse than that. I remember, because I didn't see it in cinema. Neither did I. I, did. I was um, four. Yeah. <laughs> but I... I can re I can remember obviously even even though that was before I was like reading film magazines or anything. Yep. It being in the public consciousness as a child that like a Waterworld was a massive bomb. And yet when I first watched it, which probably would have been on TV, I didn't mind it as like an as eleven a kid, year I old. It was fine. Yeah. Um, I remember liking it as a eight year old. I want yeah. to say. I like Dennis Hopper in it. Yeah. I I, I like I liked what it looked like. And like, mm, but yeah. just the fact that it's like a, oh, it's post-apocalyptic, but I didn't know what post-apocalyptic was, but yeah. like, it's a future movie, but it's on the yeah. sea. Yeah. Oh I, my god! I thought it was the one again, innocence of child, all those flotillas and stuff. <laughs> yeah, innocence of youth. You think, wow, that could really happen because you're an idiot. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then you go, oh my god, it's Robin Hood. 
Um, because that's what Robin Hood on a flotilla. Robin what, Hood. Oh, and what it's, could be better? It's, it's the it's, guy from the Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> that were my two reference points. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. that age. Yeah. Yeah. And I, is it Gene Triple Horns in it as well? I yeah, know, I recognize that from something as well. But the, uh, the key point is that <laughs> basic instinct. <laughs> <laughs> Classic Matt. Um, no, I was saying that um, it, it's it, on the surface, it's perfectly. Huh? Oh, fuck off. It's perfectly functional. <laughs> no, no veneer there. Just like a oh, fuck off. Yeah. Um. It, it's perfectly functional in terms of what it does. It's just very. Eh, eh, eh. It's when you find about how monstrous it was behind the scenes. Again, mm. that giant tanker and all the bits and pieces, all very difficult and expensive mm. run. They didn't build a single toilet. <laughs> <laughs> So everybody had to be shipped off the boats <laughs> to these flotillas of literally just fucking um, portaloos. It was a fucking disaster. <laughs> is, there anything, is, there, is there an idea worse than a floating portaloo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. The it, absence yeah. of a floating portaloo <laughs> is the worst idea. <laughs> a portaloo and just poop floating towards you. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the fact that you know you'd be like on set for a long day, get all the shoot done. Like mm. right now, we need to get everybody on and off the boats mm. quickly. Because you can't, it's, it's, it's a set. It's not really like yeah. just a, a living thing you could eat and drink on. It's like, right, now I need to go like take a shit. It's like, right, we have four portalies over there and a hundred odd cast <laughs> members and crew members. Great. We also have these small like tender boats to go back and forth. It's like, this is ridiculous. Like, They're going to go right in shifts of six people. Yeah. There are four toilets, but yeah. six of you can go in one boat at a time. I don't need to talk right now. Well, you fucking better find a way because... <laughs> We're not coming back. You either poo now or don't poo until you get home to the hotel yeah. tonight. So. That's what logistics of that sort of thing is interesting. So, so yeah, the science fiction angle adds an extra complication, but it, it it's one that's as, as Tim pointed out, it's interesting. It hasn't been done more considering. I mean, for example, I know it's not an entire film set there, but Pacific Rim so heavily, like mm. you know, we thought aliens would come from above; they came from below, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, we 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 know more about the stars than we do the sea. I think that's mm. one of those weird sort of uh, facts, as it were. Yeah. Quotes. Yeah, I think Waterworld is interesting in the place it holds for me because to me it sits exactly between Mad Max, which is a very obvious thing, yep, and Hook. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's a brilliant comparison to because the aesthetic of like the Lost Boys and stuff, yeah, and all of their like camp and like the little like the things when they're attacking the pirate ship and they've got their yep rafts and stuff, yeah, like that is very close. to And they Waterworld. have like cool spiky jackets, and yeah. stuff, which is kind of mm -hmm. Mad Maxy, yeah, um, yeah. and. Waterworld was a PG-13 in the States. Yep. You know, it's, it's mm -hmm. essentially, mm -hmm. it's Mad Max, but on water and more family friendly. Yep. Um, and so I think, yeah, if you, if you are of the exact right age, then you go, oh, this is good because I haven't seen Mad Max yet. Mm, yep. You haven't <laughs> seen a better example. So it's <laughs> that, good that happened yeah. to me when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, think I saw that and I, I think at one point I assumed they were the same thing. And like in some weird, like young yeah. enough to not really understand film's brain i was just yeah. like well half yeah. of the planet's flooded and the other half's completely dry yeah or, or even or even like that was the beach and this is the sea yeah like, yeah. yeah it's just you know the middle of australia that beach <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I will give water world one thing uh -oh. it has one of the best what one of my favorite line deliveries <laughs> um one of your favorite line deliveries. It sounds like a really bombastic, wow. over-the-top, grandiose statement. And if, if I, oh, you're gonna say one of my favorite eye patches in cinema. <laughs> That's a pretty good eye patch. It's a good eye patch. Do it Dennis Hopper's eye patches. Yeah. No, it was one of those sort of moments that I wasn't expecting and caught me off guard, and I found very funny as a kid. And I still think actually, that, to be fair, that's quite funny. 
Um, especially considering you know what's happening behind the scenes. Mm. It's to spoil an element of Waterworld for you. Uh-oh. Mm. Spoiling a 27-year-old movie. Oh, yeah, come on now. Yeah. So there's a moment where I think it's... I can't remember. It's a flare, I think it is. Falls into a giant uh, vat of oil. Yes, because the, Dennis Hopper's thing is a big oil, oil tank. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah, he controls the gasoline yeah. to bring Mad Max into this. Um, yeah. And there's a guy down in it, basically. Yes. And he just says... Oh, thank God. Yeah. It's like, oh, thank God. Yeah. And I think that just the idea exactly. of like somebody is like, there's exactly nine foot and four inches of the black stuff left. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just waiting. And then just literally seeing the death coming and thinking, yes, thank yeah. you. <laughs> For some reason, there's just, I can imagine the whole, your life being so horrific that you're like, I welcome this with such open arms. So it's just a great moment, basically, in a really mediocre movie where Kevin Costner is a fish man. But anyway, back to the sci-fi horror thing. It gives you a lot of scope. Not often done with it a lot. Very, I think Underwater is probably the most recent example. They never do well at the box office. No. Sphere is a Michael Crichton thing, so off the back of Jurassic Park, didn't do well. Mm. Virus, big box office, like fucking, oh, it's going to be a science fiction. What well, didn't do well at all. Mm. None of these things tend to do much of anything, except for one adjacent sort of example, which we'll come back to mm. uh, a little later. Just, just to uh, cap us off on Waterworld. Please mm. do, Tim. The budget of Waterworld sits roughly just between, snugly between Captain America the Winter Soldier and Thor Ragnarok. Fucking hell. Fuck me. And that's a, what, 15 years? 25. This is, that's 25 that's not adjusted for inflation, I assume? No. no. Fuck me. No. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, it, so was, it, was, it, was, it was the a, most expensive film ever when it came out. Yeah, Winter Soldier is 170 million. Waterworld's 175. Ragnarok's 180. Fucking hell. Six, seven years later, they made a Pirates of the Caribbean movie for much less. Yeah. Um, I was going to say the one example as well, the things that don't make money, except one version. One version made all the money, and that's Aquaman. Yes. Because China loves water. <laughs> um, Jason Momoa. I guess this comes under this category. I'm not sure if it comes under another one, but uh, there's a film called The Mermaid, 2016. Uh, not the, uh, the lure, which is the... Uh, <laughs> We've discussed in the past. We have the sexy past. but dark lesbian one. Exactly, yeah. that one, yeah. Um, no, no, punk, mermaid is punk rock mermaid yeah, murder punk, yes, yeah. Yeah. horror thing. Um, French? The French? It's Polish. 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 Sorry, it's yeah. Polish. That was it. Yes. Um, no, the the mermaid is a. Did you watch a trailer for it? I, I own it over there. Yeah. Uh, it's on the blue collection. Yeah. Um, it's a. It's a, um. I think I don't know if it's everybody involved with Kung Fu Hustle, but it's <clears> a very wacky comedy about mermaids and and also just just it's just weird sea creatures. So this bloke with like. Uh, an Ursula like undercarriage, mm. shall we say, with all the. <laughs> <laughs> Can you never say the words Ursula like undercarriage ever again? I'm going to tattooed on my fucking face. Um, Just call it a squidly diddly. Squid legs. That's too it's bland. Just, nah. oh, she's she's an octopus, not a squid. That's well. a good point. Thank you. Yeah, my apologies. Yes. So oh, yes. I said squidly diddly. That's entirely that's fair, on me. That's fair, that's fair. So yeah, the, the idea that uh, it's a really colourful, very silly, fun thing, but again, I don't understand China genuine as the market, not just obviously individual Chinese people, but as an overall demographic, for some reason, if you want to appeal to the Chinese market, just make a film with water and they go, no ghosts, yeah. but include water. No ghosts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Don't like ghosts. Weird. But water. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so let's, let's move on because we'll be here forever otherwise. This is a big one. This may be the big one, which people also think about uh, when it comes to things other than, you know, sharks and Momoa. Um, <laughs> Sailing endurance and/or survival movies. Mm, yeah. So we're talking 
All is Lost with Robert Redford, Dead Calm with Sam Neill, Finest Hours with Chris Pine, Lifeboat, the old um, uh, Hitchcock film, The Mercy with Colin Firth, or Mutiny on the Bounty, or The Old Man in the Sea, The Perfect Storm, The Poseidon Adventure, Titanic, White Squall. The, these are all movies of like... Yeah, I guess Titanic is that category, isn't it? Yeah, it's it like, is. It's, it's you don't really think about disaster, it. Disaster, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, or it is in the second half. Yeah, yeah the first half is yeah. a romance. Yeah. It's just transport movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, a, a vehicle movie. Um, it, oh my God, it is. Yeah. Um, but no, that's the idea that, that, that um, you get a few like racing films gone wrong or endurance from like, I'm going to sail the world on my own or I'm going to mm. do a certain thing or I'm going to learn how to, to, to operate a, a long ship, as it were, or a sail rig sort of thing. Uh, or I made a mistake of getting into a rowboat in the wrong place. Now I'm adrift at sea. All these sort of things are like, yeah, it's human endurance over mm. the elements. Yeah. And survival. And yeah. It's, it's not, it hasn't got the radical elements. It may have moments of things like sharks and bits and pieces, but they're not the mm. central focus. They're not the ones of like, you know, this is the... It's not, it's not open water no. where the main threat is the shark attack mm. and the environmental threats are subordinate to that this yeah. is the no the environment's enough you don't have you yeah. don't need sharks well it's and, this thing open water is a weird one because you're right open water becomes very much about the sharks because they're they're, yeah. they're a big part of the story uh open water to adrift terrible film is about people getting pissed up and falling off a boat yeah uh and they just can't get back on the boat except boats are literally designed that you can get all ships and yachts yeah they have literal holes that you can literally get back on because that's yeah how they're made but whatever uh, this one didn't for whatever reason that's more about the elements, whereas yeah. open water is has like dehydration, hunger, mm. starvation, fear, all that sort, and fatigue as well as. But at the end of the day, they're surrounded by sharks. Yeah, but um, yeah. Again, I think this one's quite a, a, a um a prestige one to do because mm. it's either a hopeful thing about overcoming the elements, or it's about look at these terrible, tragic events yeah. that took mm. place at sea, and you get to die in a fairly often dramatic yeah. Yeah. way. Yeah. Which actors love die beautifully, as they say. I feel like I've told this story on the podcast before. You guys know my perfect storm story, right? I don't uh, think so. No. Oh, the film or the event? Because I don't think you were alive. Were you? The, the, oh, nice no. one. Yeah, just barely. You want the the, boat, the, the film? No. So me and my mum, as I said, I talk about my parents. You know, growing mm. up, very film watchy mm. people, so we would sit down and watch films together. Usually the westerns and the sci-fi stuff with my dad. Sure. And the crime kind of more dramery, realistic y kind of stuff with my mum. Mum sat down to watch Perfect Storm. Cool. Both out there. It's like we're like five or six minutes in, whatever it is. My dad's getting ready to go out. He's probably going to the pub or whatever. He walks past and goes, This is the one where they all die, isn't it? And we went <laughs> Well fucking hell, yes, apparently uh, it, apparently yeah. it is. Brilliant. Well, see this is this is interesting because people might be listening and saying Again, I know Jack says this quite frequently, spoilers for a 23-year-old film. But at the same time, I don't think enough people... We, we, we bitch about the fucking amazing Spider-Man trailer showing the rhino, the final shot of the movie, as yeah. if it's just a huge battle moment, as opposed to the last film. But everything about the Perfect Storm's marketing, from the trailers to the poster itself, yeah. Yeah. is... The big wave. The big wave. And, is, and also based on a real thing. It so, is based on a real tragedy, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You, yeah. you know... Oh, based on true story, and people go, "Huh, I remember that." Yeah, yeah. People it's died. Like, it's yeah. like it's like going into 127 hours and going like, "Oh, is that what the one where he chops oh, his arm off at the end?" Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, exactly. And spoilers. Oh, it's, yeah. the it's the climbing and hiking movie, right? Like, <laughs> mm, 
More that he cuts his arm off with a pen knife. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yes. Yeah. And that's the thing. It depends on age. I genuinely feel that. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a case of, if you said, if you said something about like, um, uh, Fukushima to us now, we go, oh, that incident, because we knew about mm. it from the news as adults. But if it's like, say like a 12 year old was watching, they're like, what's going to happen? It's like, well, oh, you don't know the hero events because you don't know yeah. about the world because you're does, just a kid. Makes me think about all the people who watch Chernobyl and, oh, or, yes. or even something like, um, American crime story OJ. OJ. Because we just know, like, it's so it's shorthand for us. It's so obvious I remember that, it. that he is, like, it, and, and all the things that have happened since, like, it's like, oh, yeah, pretty obviously did it. Mm. So. Well, he wrote a book saying I didn't do it. But yeah. If I did do it, this is how I would have done it. But oh. I'm sure there's people who watched that <laughs> and didn't realize that in the actual trial, he was found innocent. Yes. Which is wild to think. If the glove yeah. doesn't fit, you must acquit. Yeah. This is yeah. how it works. It, yeah. It, it's. It's the living memory thing or a time capsule. I mean, the same way that arguably everybody knows by definition and because of the fact that it is an enduring story, even though really it's not, it's only because a lot of rich people died that really is a, that became a really big thing about the Titanic. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, it, was a, it was like, oh, what do we do with all these poor people traveling at the bottom? Let's just, let's just lock them in. Um, it's, it's, I mean, more people, boats for us. Yeah, ships Yay. sank. That was yeah. a, a mm. reality. But the thing was, they had made these bold claims. The ship was the biggest yeah and was literally unsinkable unsinkable exactly it was only that and again uh, rich buckers died on it and it was like you know a great tragedy etc 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 and and it is because of a true event but it was 110 years ago. oh my god it was 1912 1914 mm-hmm. yeah um yeah 1204 years ago whatever it was um 1204 years ago i am very <laughs> tired um yes it was over 100 years ago yeah. mm. um and even that though is divorced from it because if you say to like a young person Titanic is such a shorthand for something going wrong yeah. spectacularly. So it's less like the perfect storm, for example. In the same way that we always talk about, like, die hard in an elevator, mm. die oh, yeah, hard yeah. on a boat, all this kind of stuff. Like Titanic in space. Titanic in space, exactly. You, it's just such easy shorthand, especially in filmmaking, because yeah. it's one of the biggest and most successful films ever made. Mm. And like, if you, even if you haven't watched Titanic, I've seen Titanic probably once all the way through. I might have seen bits and pieces like more than once. Sure. I've definitely seen the whole thing through once about 20 years ago, 15 years ago. And I remember maybe like 10% of that movie. Mm. But I know big moments and it's so seeped into into pop culture and just cinema in general that we just, yeah, it's just a shorthand. It's because it was a a cinematic experience to hold. It was Cameron being Cameron. Mm. I think it's interesting with this category that you can go from something like Titanic, which is the biggest ship of all time at the time, and a huge cast, huge ship, huge mm. cast, and so much build-up beforehand of, you know, here's what's going on on the ship, the romance element, everything like that. And then, essentially, you can go through every film on this list, and it's like the boats get smaller and smaller gradually. And, this is and, true. And you can have something like Finest Hours and stuff like that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then you go down to, say, A Perfect Storm, where it's just... It's like a fishing boat or similar or a, yeah. a white squall or something like that, mm. where it's a group of, say, maybe a dozen, maybe less people on a ship, maybe half a dozen. And then you go down to Wall is Lost and it's just Robert Redford on a boat. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the key thing, isn't it? It's like, do you have a Poseidon adventure where it's, again, another Titanic, basically? Yes, being, yeah, yeah. Big cast splitting of characters. Yeah, and, it's yeah. big ensembles, mad. Uh, we'll come back to it later, but a speed two, if you will. Mm. Um, <laughs> or do you want to... Tr- do an intimate portrayal 
mm. of the human experience mm. and blah, 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 that kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And there's actually, there's an interesting one that we haven't got on the list that I wonder if people think falls Ooh. into this category. Go ahead. Because it's at sea, but it's not on a boat, which is Deepwater Horizon. Oh, oh yeah, good show. Funnily enough, I mentioned we were doing this topic to Mark at work, and that was the first thing he suggested. And I looked at that. I looked at our list. I was literally looking at our show notes and I was like, no, that's not on the list. <laughs> a weird, like, what was that your first thing you thought yeah. of, of all things? Yeah, I was trying to think, remember the year of that motherfucker. 2016. Yeah. Yeah. God, it was, yeah. Yeah. Um, for those who don't know, oil rig movie. Yeah. Um, weird. It's Mark Wahlberg doing some patriotic stuff around that yeah. time. Ugh. Very flag wavy. Um, yeah. But it's, it, it is, again, it's another prime example of like, you think about boats and ships and it's like, what about just a platform in the middle of the sea? Mm. Oil rigs are fucking terrifying. Oil rigs in their are own terrifying, yeah. especially if Bruce Willis has got a gun on it. Yeah, <laughs> and there chasing, isn't there isn't Man of Steel Superman yeah. there to save or, it. Or it's a prison. God, the the fucking nineties was a weird time for, for oil rigs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wasn't it just, face it's, off. It's, a, it's a prison uh, with magnetic boots with the boots from uh, Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck's sake, that's a sentence and a half right there. Let's let's uh... <laughs> is is the Rock a sea movie? <laughs> <laughs> I'd say it, no. Mm, I mean, <laughs> you went through a whole journey and yeah. those noises alone. I would say uh, Matt, Matt uh, had his uh, very uh, own kombucha girl uh, <laughs> moment. Yeah, I really did. But the thing is, I've also would categorize this. We had this conversation about other disaster movies, like say, for example, San Andreas and Day After Tomorrow, where the sea comes to you, and you're like, mm. eh, nah, 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 nah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, let's go on to another big one because we've got three smaller ones which have very, very few things in them. Let's go for a really big one because it's gonna, this is fascinating to me. Mm. Uh, and then we'll sort of round off for our second part. War. <laughs> Just fucking war. Just war. What is it good for? At least £2.50. Okay, good. Um, several, a, several good films at sea. Se- several yeah. very good movies. War is fascinating because if I whip through some of these titles, you'll see a little pattern. 300 Rise of an Empire. <laughs> <laughs> For a series, what fucking eight of yeah, so no prequels seven. seven, six, 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 six. My, my god. god, my god, my god, bees. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, as as Tim so wonderfully mentioned, that's not how horses work. That's not yeah. how the current works. That's not how the tide works. That's not how boats work. Yeah, that's not how sex works. Um, <laughs> all that stuff. Terrible movie, but again, majority of it at sea. The Admiral, Roaring Currents, uh, amazing South um, Korea movie. Das Boot, jam movie, fantastic again. Dunkirk. This one is a tricky one because yeah, people say there's we a were beach. Di- we were discussing this before we started mm. recording. It's like, Dunkirk count? Mm, I guess. I, some, I think it definitely there's, does. There's yeah. some, because it's the definitely sea is some so scenes integral to specifically it. at sea and mm. the, the beachhead and the sea matter so much yeah. in that movie. Yeah. The, this, it, put it this way. The camera is almost always facing the sea and it's a novelty <laughs> to face the shoreline yeah. and yeah. the houses. Unlike something like Old, the beach that makes you old, which mostly faces the shoreline, and every now and again faces out to sea. Yeah, that's that's and our that, logic. That's not about the sea that makes you old, man. Uh, yeah, it's the beach yeah. that makes the you beach old. That makes yeah. You old. yeah, yeah. I don't think there's actually a, a, a logic to that. But we'll go away from that for a second. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you got um, Hundred yeah. October, K nineteen, The Widowmaker, Master and Commander, Run Silent, Run Deep, U five seven one, Up Periscope. Now we've got arguably with Three Hundred Rise of an Empire, Master and Commander, bits and pieces there. Old and roaring currents in the 1500s. Really old longship stuff. Really mm-hmm. old military battles at sea. Yeah. In the past. Very difficult to do because not only the fact that you're doing a war film, you're also doing it 
on these old rigs, which means you've got a very specific type of yeah. set and all sorts of stuff you need to account for. The other one, which is a lot easier to do, obviously it's World War II. Of course it is. People mm. wank themselves to death off of mm. fucking World War II. But specifically, if you want to shoot a movie that's about, as Tim mentioned before, a tight-knit group mm. and it's tense and it's claustrophobic and you can't just get out. You can't just swim to safety. There's literally, there's no help. It's a submarine. And that's fascinating. And so you have Cold War stuff, you have World War II stuff, but post-adjacent. But um, yeah, submarine films tend to be the, 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 the most warm. If you get like hell, aircraft carrier films and a few like, you know, um, the, the, what's the one they did on uh, Apple TV have a movie with Tom Hanks? I can't remember the name of it now. Oh. But basically, yeah. yeah there, are, there are examples, but they're fair, few and far between because they're expensive and com- uh, cumbersome. Mm. And you have maybe a component in a World War II movie, like Thin Red Line or something like that. But it's not all of it. Mm. It's just a, a, even, even Pearl fucking Harbor, yeah. I think, is about 45 minutes of sea yeah. and two and a half hours of not. Mm. So, yeah. It's interesting, though, because as much as you'll get, for example, a Pearl Harbor type mm. film where you would think the sea is so central to it when in fact it's not, but there's also a lot of military and, and especially World War II films out there that have the sea as a component, but it's not the central part because of how important the sea is to warfare and has yeah, been absolutely. throughout the ages. Exactly. Like even up to today, you know, they're the way it's the way we transport troops a lot of times and, and, and all this kind of stuff. And yeah. um, it's the cheapest way to do it. Yeah. And if you think of, for example, World War Two, which, as Matt says, casts this huge shadow over cinema, you know, you've got you've got stuff like Dunkirk. Oh, it's in the English Channel. It's that short, short jaunt across but but so crucial and you know so important you've got uh subs out in the atlantic you know uh the, the merchant navy mm-hmm. delivering mm-hmm. supplies from america to britain and, and elsewhere and you've got yep. subs hunting them and then subs hunting the subs etc yeah you've got pearl Tro- harbor yeah uh and then out into the pacific yeah um, troops theater. from america getting to europe or getting yes. to the pacific yeah it's on a fucking boat yeah um, so anything in the Pacific, obviously, is going to be its aircraft carriers, its islands, mm. its you know, it's going, it's landing on Guam and taking it back from the Japanese or whatever, you know. Yeah. Of um, all the way over to Japan, which is obviously another island nation. Yeah. Got all the you know theaters Iwo Jima down there, and all that sort of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And then you know you can even look at stuff like uh the Mediterranean and like how much is going on there. Captain Corelli's mandolin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, weirdly enough. <laughs> you know, uh, they're, fa- they're factors of it. It's a yeah. facet, but it's not the central focus, weirdly enough. Which is, yeah. Because again, if you're telling a war film, even if it's like, you know, it's set at sea, mm. there's usually some storytelling person who's like, but they get off the boat, right? It's like, because you want, for lack of a better word, you want that swashbuckling moment. You want mm. the whole, well, the French ship and the British ship from, or the English ship at the time, from like, you know, the 17, 1600s, they meet in the water and mm. then they have the whole thing where they board each other mm. and, and they mm. clash with cutlasses. It's like, you know, the two captains go against each other. And it's like, mm. yeah, that's what you want. I mean, the Master Commander example, for example, is, is one of the best sea films there is, arguably. Agreed, mm. yeah. Yeah, most accurate in theory. Yeah, it's a weird thing. I don't know we touched on this before as well, where Master and Commander has this weird thing where it's fictional, but the actual way that it uses the technology of how a boat worked at the time and the yeah. real like mm. historical accuracy of rank and uniforms and the set design mm. and all this stuff 
is incredibly detailed and apparently about as accurate as we've ever seen on film, which mm. is mad. And I definitely thought, you know, first, like, seeing Master of Mother, I had assumed it was historical fiction. I thought, like, sorry, I assumed it was non-fiction. I thought it was a real thing based on, like, some real yeah. commander oh, right. from yeah, back yeah, yeah. in the day. Mm. Yeah. And hadn't really occurred to me that you would fictionalize it, but still put so much effort into getting everything right yeah. in, in the way that a ship worked back then. My dad Fucking, the... dads love boats. I was about to say, dads my my love... dad likes the series. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, about the HMS Surprise. Yeah. Surprise! Um, but uh, that's how they pronounce it. Yeah. Um, but uh, even, even to be fair, we'll come back to this later, but, but well, we already have a bit. Moby Dick. You, mm. If you actually read Moby Dick... So much fucking not talking Moby Dick. It is just literally... Do you know where they, why they call it the king's portion? It's like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Do you know how much port tax? I don't care. Get to the whale. <laughs> Christ. You've never said that before in your life, Matthew. Uh, until get, now. Get to the whale. Get to the whale so I can stop reading. Um, so we can kill it. Yeah. It's, it's fucking ridiculous. Um, so all the cool aspects that Ahab's like fear and all that is... Yeah, it's it's almost like yeah, but we want to tell you about how you know Marin Law Marin Law is like yeah, I don't care, but some people do, and it's it's represented really well in Master Commander. But yeah, so war stuff is fascinating because again, that's why I think uh, Roaring Currents, um, um, maybe to a degree Red Cliff as well, even though it's a five-hour film and not all of it to see. Um, but um, Choi Min Sik is uh, is the main actor in this one about this very iconic South Korean general. I think they call them turtle boats, basically. They're, they were being, South Korea was being attacked by the Japanese in the 1500s, and they were hideously outnumbered and outgunned. Mm. And it's, uh, it's, it's to quote Master and Commander, the enemy has more than twice our number, twice our guns. And it's like, oh shit, it's an underdog story. And they battered the fuck out of them because they knew the waters and because it was their thing and it was their territory. And it was just this very clever tactical stuff they sort of still teach today kind of thing, you know, that, that, that sort of legacy stuff. But it was, it's a really good movie. It's a really interesting historical account. But again, a very difficult thing to put on in terms of production because it's it's a it's a weird time in history. I mean, for example, we have uh, Elizabeth the Golden Age, the sequel to Elizabeth um, with with Kate Blanchett, and it builds up to the Spanish Armada. The British like banging on about the Spanish Armada. We t we talk about it at school a lot, and what we're taught about is mostly hubris. We we teach it like this is an amazing tactical, fantastic moment of English ingenuity. So what was that? Well, the Spanish were going to invade. Fuck, really? Yeah, biggest gunboats you'd ever seen in your life. Shit, what was our plan? Well, we had boats on the shore and some horses. Right, so we were fucked. Yes, we were fucked. What happened? <laughs> Storm happened. Yeah. What happened then? The boats were too big to turn around because they were too tall, too many fucking guns. So when, this, when, the, uh, when this, the choppy ass, you know, channel tunnel, or the channel, the, the, the channel sea between the English channels were, that was so uh, fucking rocky and tricky and stuff that the, most of the ships sort of toppled over and, and, and were crushed, as it were. It's like, oh, did we do much? Oh, yeah, we fought some of them. It's like, right. <laughs> I mean, there was a, an old... I mean, I always bring this up, but there's an old 70s or 80s newspaper, which was a joke in the 90s, is now fucking policy in the 2020s. Um, there was an old p paper headline, which is, uh, Fog on the Channel, uh, Europe cut off from England. Yeah. And it's like, I think you mean England cut off from Europe. Yeah. <laughs> that, that doesn't go that way. But the, the, the channel and the, and the, uh, the weather has served over the years just from, for war purposes alone. Mm. Yeah, and I, I think it's interesting mentioning foreign films there, um, which obviously we, Matt has a pretty good knowledge of, but, you know, in general, mm. um, we don't. Uh, fair. War from other people's perspectives. Mm. Yeah, but it's also how universal the sea is, you know. Yeah. Uh, at, at current 
figures about 40% of the global population lives within 100 kilometers of the sea, which is about 60 miles. Yeah. So with warfare and with most other things, like the sea and getting things across the sea and transporting stuff via the sea yeah. is such a War huge, and trade. Yeah, is such yeah. a huge undertake you know that big boat got stuck in the suez canal and it shut down you know and we're <laughs> yeah. still feeling the effects of it yeah. um you know yeah. and it was amazing and and i feel like the uh it was amazing it was amazing it, <laughs> it was so shows how much everything hangs on a pin yeah, yeah. it showed how fragile it yeah. was and, yeah, and, sure. and the captain the first person to drive through the suez canal after that had the opportunity to make the funniest <laughs> yeah just do oh, just do it again. Oh. Imagine um, if he just did a little wiggle. Yeah. And at that scale, I assume you can't just like whip your tail out and just no. and just wiggle a bit. No, that fucking hell. But it is, but it is interesting. Anyone who's done like any sort of civilization video game will know that yeah. you build up from scratch and then you you build your your civilization next to water. Yeah, and from there you start trading. Yes. and from there you start battling. It's yeah. just it's just a because natural for, evolution of humans. For so much of human history, it has been how we do exploration. It has been how yeah. we do trade. Yeah. It has been how we do warfare. Um, and yeah. it, it's it's kind of shocking that there aren't more historical, yeah, sort of films. I, I think it's classically you can do a film about, say, like for example, uh, Terence Malick's The New World. Mm. A lot of ships in that. Yeah. For but, a bit of it, but for yes, for a bit, and yeah. then yeah, we move I, on to something. I, else. I wouldn't be surprised if that's mostly producers and self-fulfilling prophecies are saying no one's going to want to watch this. Yeah, I mean, people watched Master and Commander at the time because it was the next big historical thing after Gladiator with Russell Crowe in it. Yes, so of course you'd watch it, but it didn't do as well as it could have, even though they advertised mm. the absolute piss out of it. Mm. It was on everything, but um, it, people thought it was dull and slow, and then and then went back to watching that. Actually, it's pretty fucking good. But yeah. So let's whip through very quickly the last three categories because they're quite short uh, before we round out this half. I'm going to say the categories first and we'll go through some examples. Pirates, family, comedy. <laughs> one so could Pirates, argue, of the Pirates of the Caribbean. Then. That's, yeah, one that's, could argue that's the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So Pirates, and I would like to clarify here because I put Pirates of the Caribbean here because obviously, but really they could go in sci-fi, horror, supernatural elements. Yeah. But war. <laughs> war as well. Pirates because that's... Um, we're referring to sea crime, basically. <laughs> <laughs> a crime of the sea. Someone get me a maritime lawyer. Yeah. Oh, I, I can't make any jokes because I can't picture anything, but I'm, I'm, I'd like to see some sort of like sea court. That'd be amazing. Right. Um, so Captain Blood, old film film. There was tons and tons of these sorts of movies. Hmm. Hornblower and all that sort of stuff, like, yeah. you know, yeah, the old pulpy pirate stuff. Yeah, but you know, like you would either have your film like I said, well, Hornblower's a very bad example, but Hornblower's like military sort of thing. Mm. Then you got the fun pirate stuff of like we're living a life of the sea, boys. Let's yes. go, let's go. Where's the army up there? <laughs> it was all very yeah. silly piratey. Yeah, a soundstage that they've made a deck inside, yeah, and then there's a, a background, a painted background of the sky, and you very rarely see the ocean. It's just lots of people swinging around on ropes. Yeah, what hell, Gary? They really liked swinging around on ropes back in the day, didn't they? Yes. And uh, sticking your knife in a sail and sl yeah. sliding yeah, that... down it. There's not yeah. enough swinging on ropes in films, I'm going to say. Hey, that is what we have lost that's... out on. It was ruined by Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, I was going to say there's that. a reason. Um, <laughs> that's fine. You Shia LaBeouf. But then bring it up. That's the same thing, Tim. No, they may make the same, same you... motion in it. That's, that's, yeah. It's because it's, it's CG. It's because it's... Reliance it's on not CGI. Real. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You want? I want real people swinging on ropes, doing awesome stuff. Tom Cruise will do it. It'll Batman Begins. The... Yeah. When he's on the monorail. Yeah. The rope, basically. Yeah. But again, it doesn't doesn't feel real. It's real though. That's the one that was real. Yeah, so I know. Begins. Doesn't feel real though. Doesn't feel real because it's Batman. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so uh, maybe the Batman will have tons of rope swinging. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, oh, they do that in actually fucking Batman Forever. Never mind. There you go. Oh, no. Right. Um, anyway, Captain Phillips, full on like I am the contemporary now, piracy yeah. drama. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, all Proper the pirates scaring films. Somali pirates. Yes, yes, pirates? precisely. Yeah. Which is again based on a true story. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, all, all the Pirates of the Caribbean films for argument's sake and all that sort of stuff and imitators of etc etc mm. I think it's called Thuggies in uh, the, the uh, Bollywood film but it's called uh, Pirates of Hindustan I think there's various, <laughs> various versions of what they call it over different areas and yeah. regional things but wasn't very good but it had a huge <laughs> budget and some big ass names in it but anyway Speed 2 comes under this because you know <laughs> sea terrorism that counts and Under Thanks, Siege Willem as well yeah. oh yeah. yeah Under Siege yeah yeah, yeah. Die on a boat <laughs> yeah yep. um, but uh, again it's sea crimes yeah. Um, Tommy Lee Jones as a biker on the sea. <laughs> Having a, a knife fight. Mistake. You would think a biker on the sea would be a jet skier, right? That would make sense. Yeah, that's, a, think, bi- that's a yeah. bike of the sea. He's just dressed like a He's biker. He's just dressed like a biker, yeah. No bike, no jet ski. What a fool. Yeah. yeah. Um, family films is, is, is one that can be applied to all these things already, but the, the, the threat is different. If there's a shark, it's a menacing shark, but it's not going to kill you. If there's drowning, it's blah, 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 blah. And then, bah, ah, <laughs> on the surface, I'm fine. No, yeah. the, the stakes are very questionably different. So, for example, we have Atlantis, The Lost Empire, Flipper, Free Willy, The Little Mermaid, Pirates in an Adventure with Scientists, Shark Tale, Whale Rider. They're, they're, they're things that have all of these aspects, mm. all these things. But again, as I say, the, the, the difference, the nuance, the, 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 the standing out factor mm. is that it'll never get that bad. Yeah. In general, it's the sea, uh, because... If you're a kid, the primary association for most people is, well, the sea is where you go to, you see the beach and it's a holiday. Yeah. I put my my toes in it. Yeah. Uh, So the sea is not really a threat in any of these films. No. Um, The wilderness, the same way, like, you know, um, like, oh, again, like most Disney films, space isn't a threat. It's a fun, exciting thing to be, to be learned about. Uh, the, it's the, like, the woodlands isn't a thing it's just like ooh only you can prevent forest fires yeah it's like the difference between the, the jungle in Dora and the Lost City of Gold versus the jungle in Apocalypto there we go <laughs> yeah well even the jungle book is a fun playground yeah it's, it's not like a oh yeah. the fucking Lion King oh I'd love yeah. to be out in the Serengeti in the plains no you fucking wouldn't <laughs> are you out of your goddamn mind little Timmy that's why I've called Tim now I like I like the Lion King like the jungle book good when I'm I was a kid you were right to um I did weird live action versions of both of those movies. I like the live action Jungle Book. Don't really mind the live action Lion King, but don't like it per se. That's not the point. Not live action, but they call it. Live I know, action. I know, yeah. I know. The live action Lion King is not live action. Yeah. yeah. So family films, although that's all fine. And then we had this other thing of which started <clears throat> miscellaneous, but then we sort of said it's kind of mostly comedy things or lighthearted reference things like the boat that rocked. Terrible fucking title. Mm. Yeah. Called Pir- Pirate Radio, I believe, in America. Yes. Better title. Better title. Don't know why they didn't use it here. Yeah. Because we're fucking Curtis is a yeah. dickhead. Is it based on a book called The Boat That Rocks or something like that? Oh, yeah, I think maybe. I think it's something like that. It's about a pirate radio ship operating uh, off the coast of Britain. It could have been so interesting and it just it just got Curtis juice all over it. That <laughs> <laughs> very accurate. It was remarkably bland. Great cast. Amazing cast. Just so dull. Yeah, and so flat and so pointless, and so it's it's him at his worst. His worst excesses when it comes to like England's just a fun swinging place full of white people, yeah. Um, and and the sixties, and oh yeah, and it's like oh no, I'd actually I'd really like it. It can still be a comedy, but like have a bit of bite, a little you know? yeah, like this was an interesting time, and these were people who were like renegades, yeah. 
they yeah. they're all fun-loving, cool kids. I mean, yeah. we, we, this is the thing, just very brief digression, which was talked about briefly on the Discord, I think, of all things, and also on Twitter and stuff, where people were, it, it, we literally, as we're recording this, in the middle of this fucking, you know, ridiculous storm. Stormy Eunice. Stormy Eunice. <laughs> um, and uh, the Millennium Dome has been shredded to pieces. Yes. It looks ridiculous. But people have gone, oh my God, no, that's terrible. That's my childhood. I love it. I, I'm so. I hope they rebuild it as fast as possible. And other people are like, "Hang the fuck on! The Millennium Dome has always been a joke. Yeah. It's always been an embarrassment and an overspent piece of nothing. Where it's like that's going to, you know, shape the millennium and mm. did just an empty fucking warehouse. It's pointless. Yeah. But then this this to tie into the, the boat that rocked the epiphany that anything is better twenty odd years ago because yeah. you were younger. Like, yeah. Oh God! Do you remember the seventies? Oh, best time ever! It's like no, <laughs> it was really bad in this country. We, everything was really bad. We were quite poor. There's like the three day working week, strikes. Thatcher was in charge. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Well, I I was nineteen and I was fucking. There we go. Yeah. That's why you <laughs> like it so much. That's why you voted the way you did, you idiots. But it's the same thing with like the boat that mm. rocks. It's like oh, the swing sixties is great. Yes, because you were young back then. Yeah. Just because you think it was cool because you had some, mm. you know, rose tinted memories of the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. As you say, it waters down a story that could have been really interesting. To, to, to step away from that for a second, with uh, two American examples, two very different American examples. Down Periscope. I mentioned Up Periscope, the war movie. Down Periscope is the Kelsey Grammer comedy. Yeah. And The Life Aquatic. Mm. Steve Zissou, which again we oh, mentioned yeah. in our vehicle episode. Yeah. Um, Hard to they, these three films are hard to bunch in the other ones. Mm. They could they could arguably have they have elements mm. of other them, but the, yeah. the really the 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 through line is the irreverent silliness, but not a family film. Yeah, da- Down Periscope is a war film in the same way that Stripes is a war film. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or the the goddamn Steve Martin starring Sergeant Bilko. Elko. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good good example. Fucking nineties gonna weird moment there. Yeah, so so that that's how that's how we've sort of divided them and, and then in through the process talked about how y- you could make quite a lot of diverse entries, as it were, but you're still quite fractured, limited to what you can do mm. because of our own history and experience with the sea specifically. So for example, if the options uh, uh, originally on the vote for the patrons was land, air and sea. If it was air, for example, we'd have been even more limited because planes um, you're talking about, you know, biplanes and history and war mm. and blah blah blah, and then you're talking about, you know, and yet, and things. And yet, arguably, it's now certainly now mm. and probably for quite a while easier to shoot a film that's set on a plane than it is on the on a boat. That's very true. Um, very because true. A, because a plane is a contained thing, and you mm. can just you know build a, a a set that is a plane. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's the submarine logic. Is exactly yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Money plane. Money that, boat. God, that would have been Jack's pick money it? if we'd have done air. It would have yeah, been money. One hundred percent. That would have been your any chance. Yeah. I want to talk about. I'd, money I'd have been talking about executive decision. <laughs> uh, I would have probably talked about Air Force One. I, I was going to say yeah. Air Force One. Yeah. 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 Get off my plane. Lot of lot of nineties action on a plane. You quote air. Get off my plane a lot for you a thing do, that is incredible. Thing that is incredibly. Yeah, as incredibly specific reference to a forgettable movie. I feel like you say you've said it multiple times on the show. Yeah. I, again, it's like the thing from Waterworld. Oh, thank God. Sometimes there's just moments in the film where you go, "This film is redeemed." <laughs> five out of five. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by our lovely sponsors at Audible, who are the purveyors of a wealth, a bevy 
a treasure chest full of audio content, be that audiobooks, podcasts. You can stream your podcasts through Audible. You can stream us through Audible, in you fact. You can. We're on Audible. We're on Audible. They also have uh, non-fiction stuff like guided meditations, guided mm. fitness, audio dramas, just a great, a grand array of audio content. And you can get a free month's membership and a free book that you get to keep for yourself even if you end your trial after that free month. I'm not sure mm. why you would want to, because Audible's great. But, heck, you can do it. <laughs> heck! <laughs> but fuck me running. Audible is brilliant. Um, so all you got to do is go to audibletrial.com slash sequel, and you can get a free month's membership and a free book. Now, we'd like to recommend a book uh, when we do this, something uh, to the theme of the episode that we, we've been uh, covering. Yeah, the subject matter. Of, of and in fact, we've discussed a few literary adaptations in amongst these various sea books. And so I'm going to recommend Master and Commander, the first in the Aubrey Matterin series oh. by Patrick O'Brien. Book one is available on there, uh, narrated by Rick Jerome. It is almost 16 hours long, so you are getting a decent bang for your buck, or a bang for your cannon, maybe. Um, <laughs> Jack liked that one. That really got me. <laughs> um, uh... But hey, maybe you've been thinking, my dad, my uncle, my grandfather, <clears throat> I want to get them more into the world of, of digital audio content. My older male. Yes. <clears throat> An older male that I know. How can I get them, persuade them that this is the... the 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 medium of the the future or possibly the present or maybe i don't know five years ago now mm. who knows master commander favorite of dads everywhere <laughs> I, 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 if I, you've I, already got audible why not send them the yeah. recommendation oh. i can give you a testimony of my my father likes master commander books maybe i'll get him into the audiobooks yeah yeah hear them all again yeah because mm. this is the thing we've got a pretty switched on audience we've been We've been uh, telling them to get Audible for a long while, but you can recommend it to other people and say, hey, I know a way that you can get a free month of membership and a free book. Yeah. So, you know. You're probably retiring and or retired. You got time in your hands. Yeah. You're in the garden farting about. Yeah. Listen, listen to a book about big ships. Yeah. And not off midway through because you're old. Yeah. yeah. And maybe none of that applies to you and you just want a different book and you can do that too because you've got your option from thousands upon thousands of titles available through Audible. So go to audibletrial.com slash sequel today and get your free trial and your free book thanks to your boys at the sequelizers. Or should I say the sequelizers? I feel, I don't like puns, it's fun, but I feel that was wasted on the ad. <laughs> <laughs> All the Patreon people who listen to the Patreon-only version, they're missing out. Missing out, that's sweet content. Listen to both versions, you're missing out. Yeah. We've literally had that feedback on the Discord before where people said, that ad read was really fun. You spent like six minutes off on some bullshit <laughs> tangent. It was like, yeah, sometimes it pays to not pay us. <laughs> Please do still pay us, though. <laughs> True. That was, a, that was a real Matt diversion. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. So we've discussed in general terms how cinema deals with the sea, the difficulties that are entailed in that, the kind of movies that tend to get made, some of the notable examples. There were probably a few on there that listeners are going, well, how come you haven't talked about that? And the reason Ooh. is, it's because we're going to talk about them now. I definitely felt that in the lists. I could, I could almost hear the Discord and the Twitter lighting up with, oh, you didn't talk about this movie. How mm. come you, 
You talked about family movies. You didn't talk about this. You talked about animal attacks. You didn't talk about this. Yeah. They're now listening to our picks. Get in and say, you still didn't talk about the one I was thinking of. Was yeah. this a really obscure movie about the quarter mass experiment? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. All right, that yeah. one too. But, you know, tell us on Twitter. Tell us on the Discord. Please do. We Please love do. that. Um, but all that said, let's get into our picks. And Jack, I'm going to come to you first. Ooh. For your first pick. I'm going to kick things off with something probably a lot of people thought was missing from our family-friendly category. Sure. I'm going to dive into, I'm going to be do a mat and be cheeky. I d- see, I'm, I've been fucking decent. I've been good. I've been no, doing, you haven't. I've been doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I've been staying with it. I've been coloring within the lines. For the last like six months out of five years. Yeah, <laughs> I would say for the last six minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Any opportunity, I'm definitely snapping up that sweet, sweet airtime. Exactly. Um, yeah, sorry, you're doing the me. You're doing we multiples. Know. Yes, uh, I want to talk about Finding Nemo and Finding Dory. I like both of those movies. A fantastic, beautiful, amazing experience mm. and a sequel. Right, see, I, you don't like Finding Dory very I, much, I think Finding Dory is fine. Yeah, I thought you were going to say that. It's yeah. literally fine. I think it's great. Oh, fuck you. Yeah, yeah. I really, really like Finding Dory. That's fine. You can like it. Can't say it's great, though. Oh, I think it's great. Fuck you. I think it's, I think, <laughs> I think it's one of the better uh, animated sequels. Ah, uh, yeah, maybe yeah. Sure. It's not like I'm not saying it's, it's like Toy, Toy Story, Story level. No, 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 no. But it, it's it's really good. But okay, yeah, no, I, I can I can I can hear the argument. <laughs> Tim, oh, where where do you follow? I've only seen about an hour of Finding Dory. Oh, interesting. I I need to. I was going to Tim at Christmas. Checked out. Tim knew. Uh, <laughs> I was I I meant to at Christmas go back and well not go back but do a uh, a Disney Pixar catch up essentially. Mm. And watch all of the yeah the, the 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 both the Pixar and the more recent Disney that I have not yet watched, mm. and I didn't get around to it. So it's still on my list of things to do for like 2022. Um, is is do that catch up, which will include Finding Dory. Yeah. Um, but I did I I quite enjoyed the bit that I saw. I thought it was good. I, I thought mean, the visuals remained like amazingly good. Yeah, so. yeah. it's incredibly good. The looking, new editions yeah. of voice cast are good. I own the fucker on Blu-ray. And <laughs> that doesn't. That's not a mark of quality. It's not, it's not at all. <laughs> Do you also have Waterworld? On DVD. Oh, Matthew, yeah. how dare you? So yeah, Finding Nemo and Dory, because to be fair, they, they do come as a pair, because I think there is a really, there's a couple of really strong emotional beats in Finding Dory that are like really fucking good. Yeah, and I think the less we talk about Ellen DeGeneres as a person, the better. But <laughs> her performance as Dory is great in the first one, and it goes in a very interesting direction in the second one. And it, it uses... I think the fact that we kind of use fish and aquatic animals and stuff like that as this way to explore really quite upsetting and as you as you said Matt like impactful emotional relationships between these characters whereas so often fish aren't exactly the most emotive of creatures neither are turtles neither are octopuses I can't yeah. wait for the live action version remake of Finding Nemo being oh. really boring. <laughs> and, and even less expressive than Lions. Yeah. <laughs> just hell. kind of vaguely terrifying for kids, I think. Yeah. 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 And there's this brilliant kind of. I mean, you touching on the visuals there, Tim, is such a key part of it. Feels like another world when we're in that underwater where they're all going to school and hanging out with the, the manta ray teacher guy and all this kind of stuff. And swimming along and seeing like the edge there's just this infinite chasm depth mm. of the ocean i know that's the thing that scares emma the most is like oh the, the void the just the void mm. of the sea where you get mm. those like drop-offs that just yeah well, the shelves child, the shelves underwater as yeah. a child yeah. you just assume it goes down like the beach and then it goes to the bottom and then there's a seabed it's like you, no, you it's, imagine it's, it's like mountains a, it, it's a slow gradient of just like 
it eventually gets deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper until you hit the bottom. It's like, no, no, no. It get, it's like you start off very shallow with the beach mm-hmm. and then it drops off for like half a mile. And you're like, sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, there's just a half mile tall cliff underwater. Oh, that's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, there's currents that just drag you down a cliff for half a mile and you drown to death. It's like brilliant. So weird. Yeah. But anyway, Finding Nemo, Finding Dory, I think the voice acting is universally brilliant, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Amazing casting, even with some recasting in Finding <laughs> Dory. Yeah. I'm just reminded of uh, a thing I saw on Twitter quite recently where I think it was off the back of No Way Home and it was someone who was just like, oh my God, I never realised that Willem Dafoe played that hot fish in uh, Finding Nemo. (laughs) (laughs) And people were like, uh, hot fish. And then they were like, Googled like, Finding oh, Nemo yeah. hot fish, and it's like, no, that is the one that comes up. <laughs> yep. Apparently, people yep. want to fuck Willem Dafoe. You cannot define his like, cannot cannot. Uh, his boundaries don't confine to human yeah, bodies yeah. alone. He, yeah. he can't be confined, even when it's just his voice. Yeah, he's just you, oozing sexuality. If you take away his weird goblin face <laughs> and just let his voice do the talking, is Willem Dafoe objectively no, sexy? Still... <laughs> like a fucking. Strimmer in the like distance, a, like a villain from I don't know Speed Two Cruise Control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a chainsaw. That is, the, that is the Lord Jesus Christ you are talking about. <laughs> Martin Scorsese is Jesus Christ. Yes. Uh, no, I, I like the Australianness to it all and the colourful nature of it all. Mm. Yeah, uh, I think the Australianness yeah. goes underappreciated. I often forget about it, and then you yeah. have there's a real nice, it's especially, in, especially in the second one. Hello. Yeah, the first one and the second one have a really interesting concept of geography. Which yeah. I think is really unique for, especially an underwater movie specifically, because I never really think about that because I'm a land-based creature. <laughs> I think about, I always think about geography specifically as land, and then like and the, the surface, the surface of that blue thing over there that you know covers most of the planet. And you think like, oh, there's an ocean over there, but 160 miles that way is land. That's geography. Whereas them, like the characters getting in those like currents and stuff, and mm, hanging yeah. out with with the cool surfer dude turtles and stuff, having those moments where it's like, oh yeah, they're traveling really fucking far distances and they're these tiny little fish. Mm. And there's a lot of kind of like really interesting dynamics between different types of fish and actually how their like real life ecosystem works. And mm. obviously you have Nemo and Marlin, the clownfish living and their little anemone things, which are the... yeah. They're little things that clownfish actually yeah, hide in and sleep in to and the live poisons in, immune and to the sting. Yeah, exactly. Mm. To save them from predators. Funnily enough, I was talking to uh, Emma about this the other day. I was talking, oh, I want to talk about Finding Nemo, Finding Dory, because she loves the films as well. And we looked up like how clownfish work. And apparently there's been studies that show if one of the clownfishes dies, the other one can change gender. Yes, I've heard this. Yes. To like bring more like diverse and population opportunities to the rest of the clownfish community. It's like right. the frog thing. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Mm. It's Jurassic Park, basically. Mm. Yeah. But, but underwater. Yeah. That, that is very, very interesting. I think it's also because you're right. It, it, it's underneath the surface, especially early Pixar. Huh? Just, oh, fuck me. Huh? Yeah. Under the surface. <laughs> Under the... Fuck you. <laughs> early Pixar did this really well where there'd be these very complex very, education... Very deep, you might say. Nope. Uh, uh, educational points that they'd make in these, you know, simple, wholesome family stories. So something like Finding Nemo especially makes you start thinking, well, 
What would the Earth look like without water on it? I mean, you see the weird Mad Max. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, like no water Dune. at all. It's literally kind of, but it's not. No, obviously, we see it as a perfect circle, effectively. But it's like a sphere. But it's like, well, actually, it's a really jagged rock because obviously yeah. we're the tallest bits, as it were. Um, but also, there's a reason why. Again, just a very much a anecdotal being British here. It's like here's Britain, cool. Here's what's the same line as us, Canada. What? Mm. Yeah, Canada. It's like. Why aren't we a lot colder than as a country? Because of the Gulf Stream. Yeah. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. Hot water from down there in Mexico. What? Yeah. 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 It's fascinating. And as you say, the idea that fish coming up, like migrating like birds. You say migrating birds, you go, yeah, that makes sense. Mm. Migrating fish, you go, fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. so weird. But I like the idea, going back to the, the, the clownfish thing, that Nemo is off on his way to, to find Marlin or the other way around. And by the time they meet up, Marlin is now his mum. Yeah. And there's there's this there's this oh, yeah. missed opportunity for a like transgender representation <laughs> there that I thought would be I, I get I'd be worried it would be played off as a laugh, but it could have been a really yeah. interesting opportunity mm-hmm. there to 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 explore that side of things. Mm-hmm. But I do think they do a really good job of actually bringing in some representation and Dory specifically going into her kind of story in the second one. And about her memory loss and her trauma and all this kind of oh, stuff. Yeah, it's a mental health thing. It's yeah, yeah, the mental health side of it is really interesting. The less we talk about mental health and Ellen DeGeneres, the better. <laughs> but I think the character of Dory does a really good job, especially kind of like translating and not necessarily simplifying it, but like translating that for kids and helping kids understand at an mm. early age. Just because somebody has a mental health issue or has experienced trauma in the past doesn't make them less of a person, less of a friend less able to love people and, and be you know yeah. part of that group and part of that community, which I think is a really interesting and nice thing to teach kids at a young age with that kind of thing. Mm. I mean, I think even in the first one, the Marlin is kind of a study in anxiety. In oh, absolutely. Ways. Yeah. You know, yes. the, his fear of going into the deep ocean yeah. because of the, the traumatic experience that they had, mm. you know, just um, right at the beginning. Yeah, because it's not just stifling helicopter parenting. It's mm. And this is the thing people, I, I know a, a few comedians have point, pointed this out as stand-up has been like, um, oh, I'll preoccupy my young child. I'll put on a Disney movie or a Pixar movie. That'll be nice. And then in the first three minutes, they're coming in crying, saying they're dead, they're dead, they're all dead. Mm-hmm. It's like, what do you mean? The mum, they, 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 there's a big, this big the barracuda, dead, yeah. and the mum's dead, and all the other babies dead. There's one baby who's left, but they got like a big. It's like, oh my god, what the fuck? I left you for five <laughs> minutes. Um, and it is brutal and it's terrifying yeah. because that's the sea. And yeah. that, but, it, but, but then yeah. also traumatizing. Mm. Yeah. Going back to octopuses, we talked about earlier. Like, there's a really scary moment when they get attacked by. Mm-hmm. This snapping more and these tentacles mm. hidden oh, the in beak. darkness and stuff. The beak is mm. lurking in the darkness. And the uh, the anglerfish. The anglerfish is anglerfish fucking terrifying. Yeah, There's a, in it. I think it does a really good job of somehow balancing like the sea is fucking terrifying and this is like a not necessarily accurate like they're not all hanging out together in real life. Play on the word school of fish, obviously, but like an, a representation of how ecosystems works and the, like the whole coral reef thing and like that which is dead fish. now yeah it's all bleached and dead thanks humans finding no finding nemo and uh, didn't uh, didn't do enough no to make us give a shit about them unfortunately not sorry but yeah i think those films do a really good job of kind of exp- and a unique perspective of underwater specifically even if we do end up in like buckets and stuff <laughs> on land and other ones um and even just like there's just some fucking brilliant jokes and really quotable lines and a really sexy fish played by Willem Dafoe for some reason. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I, I think they really, 
I think they're not necessarily top, top tier Pixar because that is a very, very high bar. Top tier Pixar to me is like some of the best animated films ever made. Mm. I, I think Finding Nemo is. But I think, yeah, I think they're pretty high up there. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think one of the other fun things about Finding Nemo in particular is that it has the kind of like humans are somewhere between like alien abductors and Cthulhu in that film. Yeah. <laughs> like they are these unknowable creatures that just show up. And like when that diver first appears, um, oh, yeah. And like takes the photo that, that, that like dazzles Marlin and stuff like that. Like it's kind of terrifying, and it's like, oh, that's us. Yeah, that's what we do. All yeah, time. Uh, and I think it does. It does have a a bit to say about humans' interaction. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think just like I think it is one of the best looking Pixar films in terms of the visuals that it presents. I mean, that's obviously a very high bar, but but I think when you look at it, where it comes in the the timeline of Pixar, and obviously Toy Story has moments of beauty in it, but it's very much concerned. It like it's it's. A, it's early in the CGI technology. They're breaking a lot of barriers and, you know, the, the, there's limits to what they can do. And they're mostly concerned with, let's present this world more or less as it is realistically. Um, and then you have, I think Bugs Life has quite some beautiful moments in it and stuff like that. But, yeah, yeah. And Monsters, Inc. And, and stuff like that. But, yeah. but Finding Nemo is like the fifth or sixth film that Pixar made. Yeah, essentially. And just the, the way that it, it decides to explore that underwater beauty and like Jack says, the, the different biomes that they interact with, that that very friendly coral reef, like here is home, essentially. Here is it's where all the, dead now, it's all dead. Yeah. The schools of fish and and all that stuff. And then you have you have the shelf or you have the the real deep sea depths. You have the bit mm. the, the 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 sunken ship where the, the sharks are all hanging yeah, out and yeah. the those big mines uh you yeah. know, down underwater and it's such it manages to fit such variety and such beauty into what could you know sort of initially just be like oh it's just underwater and it's i a think blank space and if, i think yeah. even if you compare it to something like the little mermaid which mm. is predominantly or significantly set underwater as much as there is beautiful animation in the little mermaid i don't think it does nearly as much with the undersea environments as finding nemo does it's that one of those really. lighting things i think the yeah. way it's lit yes. makes it just it, it, the absence of light making it terrifying mm. or just the streams of things coming from the surface. It's, it's all just I mean, it's one of the posters, which is just literally a, the, the tiny top eighth is the sky yeah. and the sort of wave. And then yeah. down and either it's like this blank emptiness and it's just one these two fish or mm. it's as I think one of the like the Blu-ray covers or whatever is like all the fish. Yeah. yeah. And it's just all the cast. And so it's just saying show all this stuff yeah. is under yeah. this thing. You wouldn't have. Yeah, it's magnificent. Yeah. I think it does a really good job as well for especially for finding dory we touched on like the human element as well it's not afraid to show like dirt and grime and pollution in the sea as well oh yeah which mm. is something that is i think is shied away from in a lot of ways again touching on like little mermaid like oh she collects all the things that the humans have and she's got a fucking comb and a mirror oh, and stuff it's like, a fork isn't it lovely part it's of like... your world and like bollocks like, yeah well like... i think they were pre-industrialization there it was probably a lot pre-plastic better. exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah but then you get that moment where you get that a bit outside of SeaWorld or whatever it is, the Sea Life Center, mm. where it's all gray and gr like dark yeah, green that, and grime like, in that, that, that horrible foam. That type of foam and the, the, the long strands of seaweed that you just like, that really, yeah, that looks like how real gross, because we're in Britain, most of us 
see is gross and, 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 and grey. We don't especially get... especially now they've removed all the protections against companies dumping uh, sewage into it. Yeah. yeah, I went to the Caribbean and saw this sea, and I was I mean, I was like, oh, the sea is blue. It's so crystal and so yeah. azure. It's like amazing. And I'm like, why is ours like sort of grey brown sludge everywhere until you get to Scotland? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. I love Finding Nemo. I also love Finding Dory, whether you like it or not, Matt. No, no, no. I don't think it's uh, eligible for sequelizing. Put it that way. I agree. There's, I don't think it needs it. Tim? Tim doesn't know. I haven't, I haven't watched it. But the, the bits that I saw, far better than Monsters University. They, that, yeah. Yes, accurate. There you go. Exactly, yeah. Uh, I'm going to run with the theme here of run of Rotten Tomatoes schools for Ooh. you both. What do you think the... I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do one of them. The Finding Nemo Rotten Tomatoes score on the critic side of things. Fucking 94 or some shit. Yeah, I'm going to say 92. Uh, 94 is Finding Dory. Ooh, finding, I mean, yeah. Finding yeah. Nemo is a 99. There we go. Yeah. Wow. I do, yeah, I do not know anyone serious. who yeah. doesn't rate that movie right? above average saying this is yeah. good. Yeah, and like we said, I know I didn't preface this earlier, but if you are new to the show, if you're new to Rotten Tomatoes, that is, out of all of the critic reviews, that is a 6 out of 10, 3 out of 5 what is considered a positive review. That is not an aggregated yeah. score of all of them put together. Yeah. It's also a very cate- uh, curated chaotic, list chaotic, of individuals. mad <laughs> bullshit that yeah. doesn't make any sense. It's not always that. accurate. It's not all the right fucking yeah. reviews. But it is an interesting gauge. Yes, mm. exactly. So that's 269 reviews, 99% positive. So mm. it yeah. doesn't get much better than that. It's one of the highest ones we've ever seen on Sequelizers, that's for sure. 1% better than that. <laughs> <laughs> there you it's, go. it's essentially saying that... To anybody, whether mm. they are uh, young or old or otherwise, mm. it's a case of like, I'm going to show you this movie. Chances are you're going to like it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost universally beloved. The people are like, ah, this is fine. Ah, I didn't get on with it. Uh, hence the 1%. But they are, tend to be quite weak arguments. Mm. Of just, oh, it didn't gel with me. Oh, I don't like fish or something stupid <laughs> like that. It's like, can you tell me why this is a bad movie mm. and take your own personal... Um, anecdotal nature out of it as an equation so mm. you say why don't you like this movie mm. on a technical level or something like that people can't arguably mm. 20 years later make it say it doesn't look as good as I thought it was going to yeah it's 20 fucking years old exactly <laughs> Tim I'll bounce back to you for your first pick I'm also going to go animated ooh uh, I'm also I'd imagine there's probably some people who worked on Finding Nemo and Finding Dory that, that worked on this film probably Venn Diagram yeah yeah uh, not a Pixar but a Disney yes I am going for 2016's Moana. Uh, that would be one of Disney's best films in the last 10 years. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, love I Moana. would definitely agree. Absolutely love it. Um, I, uh, I, w- I have mixed feelings. I really liked Tangled. Um, oh, I liked Tangled a lot. Yep. I yep. didn't care for Frozen as much as everybody else. Or, well, not everybody else did. No, no, it, no. Same. Families went bonkers for Frozen. Frozen and I, 1 is fine. Yeah. I have not yet. Frozen 2 is one of the ones on my list of like, haven't got around to seeing that yet. I like Frozen 2 a lot. Um, <laughs> but Moana, I saw in cinemas. Uh, mm. Not multiple cinemas. I saw it in a cinema. <laughs> multiple cinemas at once. Um, because, mainly because I had, I was big into Hamilton at that time and it had Lin-Manuel Miranda doing some of the songs yep. um, on it. And also the trailer just made it look really good. And I thought, Again, it is one of the best looking films that Disney, especially now, especially like their big budget ones, they don't tend to put out bad looking films. And I think there has been yeah. somewhat of a push. I think there's still some that are just kind of average looking. Mm. But I, I think with 
between Tangled and Frozen and Moana, there's there's been a real push to like know there's things that animation can do that other films can't do, and one of those is the pure astonishing beauty. Um, yeah. because we have control over it, we can do these fantastical things, we have, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um It's also the fact that uh Pixar were replacing Disney mm. as the go to for the best animated movies. Yeah. And Disney kind of owned Pixar at one point, then lost it, yeah, then bought it back. And suddenly all the good Pixar animators and story writers were on the Disney projects. Yeah. And suddenly like Moana and that sort of thing, like mm. this feels like a Pixar film. It yes. happens to be a Disney film. Yes, it's inter- it, it, it mm. occupies that interesting sort of, yeah. Was that, that weird transitioning period, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, where, yeah, like we say, a lot of talent who had originally been at Pixar had then moved across to Disney and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that you can definitely see lessons that were learned on Finding Nemo and Finding Dory that have been brought across to Moana uh, in terms of how you animate water, uh, which is yeah. notoriously very very difficult like, yeah finding nemo was groundbreaking in that regard um and i think that moana continues that and continues to push it further um and i think it's it's an amazing story um i love i think the rock i think i think the the, the vocal performances are pretty universally great um i think the rock as um maui. as maui is fantastic yep uh, I, I think... can't say you're welcome without singing that. Yeah. <laughs> well, Every the... single time I've used that gif yeah. of what can I say except you're welcome and the little dance on, yeah. the, on the ship. Every I've, time I've, I've used seen... that countless times on Twitter and WhatsApp and Slack. Discord, you're on all the time. Discord, yeah, yeah exactly. <clears throat> I've seen so many clips of The Rock meeting fans and them saying thank you and so on and so forth and uh, how they, you know, sing it to their kid at night and says, do you remember it? It's like, yeah, yeah, rap specifically, yeah. Give me your phone, and then I'll duet it because yeah, he yeah. and he sings it to his own kid and stuff. And he adorable. It's it is it really is, and it's like it's not just like oh I did this for a paycheck. It's like no, this is a good thing, and it, I love it, and it's a part of me now, and it's all it's yeah, fucking love that shit. Yeah. I think that's really nice. And rather than being like, I'm a celebrity voice who's just they got in to do this thing, he he lived the role as a lot of other people in the film did. Mm. And again, talking about representation, spinning off of oh, Finding yeah. Dory and Finding mm. Nemo and stuff, having Polynesian people. Mm actually be main characters and and we we got a little bit of like you know hawaiian people in lilo and stitch and stuff like that mm, yep again underrated in my opinion we've talked about our love of lilo and stitch on this show before yep, yep and how great actual representation that is but it's great to have moana and maui and like different types and and maui even having a different body type like he's played by the rock who is this chiseled mountain granite of a man yeah literal form of professional wrestler <laughs> who has only gotten bigger and more muscular since yeah. he stopped being a professional wrestler somehow. <laughs> yeah, Maui is this big, like, barrel-chested, looks like a world's strongest man-type body type. Yes. Where it's just this big barrel-chest and... Which like, is what people of kind of Polynesian descent tend to kind of tend towards. Ex- exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's yep. this real actual representation of and and like the community that moana lives in with her like parents and the like the elders of the community mm. and that kind of stuff is so cool and such an interesting thing that we don't see so much in western cinema and i think that's yeah. really great like yeah exploration of that yeah and it makes it makes so much sense in the way it ties together in the you know if you're going to do a film about the sea you know the the the, the history of kind of polynesian and, and pacific islander people navigating that that area is so 
fascinating and it's something that you know has been passed down through a lot of oral tradition and stuff like that and something that i think even we you know nowadays don't appreciate like yeah. how incredible the feats of navigation and sailing were i think we're so blinded by and i think thankfully we're getting more towards it now like people rebelling against like columbus day and all that kind of stuff oh, we're yeah. so stuck in this like western we're the great explorers mm. and we discovered this land like no you fucking didn't there's <laughs> people here for thousands of years you just happened to be the first english-speaking white person who arrived here you cheeky bastards but yeah giving i had no idea because we're not taught this shit mm -hmm. in in england like growing up in our in our education system that the pacific islanders did so much exploring and navigating and the fact that that ties into literally into moana's like heritage and mm. her family history and her just like Shapes, wanderlust and stuff yeah. like that yeah mm. exactly mm. and talking about being like island cultures and stuff like that that's true for us we did a lot of sea warfare and exploring <laughs> as british and, yeah. and as english people the vikings but came our, and fucked us up well yeah, yeah exactly we we are an island but we're much closer to the rest like to large land masses yeah. Yeah. than you know uh and mm. i think it's and it's it's based on real history where there was a period where pacific islander people did loads of exploring and then they stopped and then they went back to exploring and there was it was like 100 or 200 years where they just kind of stopped and no one's quite sure, like, yeah. what happened there. But it, and, and in fact, that's my, as good as the rest of the songs are, as good as How Far I'll Go and You're Welcome and Shiny and all those kind of things are, uh, that moment where she rediscovers the ship and there's like that kind of flashback yeah. uh, and the We Know The Way song mm, is yeah. probably my favorite music moment in that film. Yeah. Um, the way it ties, it, it, you know, it does stuff in, I think it's in Hawaiian, I might be wrong there, mm. um, language and stuff like that. And that sense of history. Uh, that connection is, is, yeah, is interesting. Yeah. It's yeah. so great. And then I think the, like, the finale of it and the way it resolves Moana and Maui's plots and the, there's quite a lot of like psychological depth to Maui for what could mm -hmm. just be a very like wacky character. Yep. Kind of almost like a genie-esque character. Yes. And then it delves into like how he how he sort of provided all these things for humanity but feels there's we a sort of a weird li living up to himself yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah, there's 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 a, a sense of confidence and purpose. Yeah, and an almost codependence there. Yeah, definitely. That, and and that he desperately wants them to look up to him but also like feels he's not good enough and it's a yeah. really interesting relationship and then how that then ties into the finale of the film with the heart of the the island and stuff like that um, heart of Tafiti Tafiti mm. that's it and the transformation of the the kind of the big lava creature yes back into the 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 island um is is gorgeous and really an interesting way like I like that we've moved beyond the period of Disney films the kind of the Disney Renaissance stuff of like, you know, oh, there's, there's a, uh, a young girl who wants adventure or doesn't want adventure, but is thrust into adventure and then wacky things. And then at the end, the villain falls off a thing, um, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and we've actually got to a period of like, hey, maybe violence isn't the way to resolve these problems. Yeah, let's give uh, some complexity to the villain. Yeah, yeah. And, and some compassion. And let's, let's understand that, you know, the, the Maui is complex and has hurt people but not intentionally mm. um and you know is, is also suffered trauma and 
Tafiti has suffered trauma. And it's just such a rich film and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so gorgeous to look at. The ocean looks incredible in it. The islands look incredible. It's got those fucking coconut people who are terrifying. Mm, I love it. Uh, I was going to say, I think there's a nice clean evolution as well. Because we talk about the Pixar and Disney people coming on board for this thing. It's directed by Ron uh, Clements yeah, and John Musker. Yeah, Cle- it's Clements and Musker who, did, who were responsible for big chunks of the Disney Renaissance. Yeah. They did Little Mermaid, they did Aladdin, they did um, Hercules. Hercules. If you want to say, see, fun genie character, demigod. Yeah. Like, right, you're literally walking and also, a path. Treasure Planet, which and was Treasure their Planet. dream yes. project for a long while. Yeah, what exactly. we've learned is Treasure Planet is the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> we should do a Treasure Planet episode. I'm not it's, opposed it's, to it. It's, it's the center. Uh, it's like the linchpin of a lot of stuff. It's not necessarily the best, but if you take it out, it's every, a crucial element. Everything else, crucial. You know, yeah. I'll accept that. I'll yeah. Accept that. Um, so yeah, that, them being in charge, it's like, you know, we got these, let's face it, what a lot of people consider some of the, the best of the Disney classics in inverted commas, because the 90s is now classic, the 89 as well, helming this thing with their uh, expertise, shall we say, but also a modern sensibility about direction and character development and all this sort of stuff. So yeah, I think Moana's fantastic. Just a fantastic movie. Matt, that brings us around to you. Yeah, it's not Disney. Um, and it's not Pixar. But it is largely animated. Kind of. Um, <laughs> Who framed Roger Rabbit, right, guys? <laughs> uh, Bit Ma- knobs and broomsticks. Ah, <laughs> the new Chip and Dale movie. Oh, that's so fucking that's weird. 2D and 3D and live action. All at the same time yeah, for some they, reason. They saw Into the Spider-Verse and thought they could do something clever and mm. they end up making a joke about cats. So, I, I, don't know. I think that might end up being quite good. I think so too. I want it to be yeah. good, but I think it's too weird. They too said weird. that about Into the Spider-Verse. They said that about sequelizers. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> These fuckers can't have. Right, my choice is 2012's Life of Pi. Mm. Life of Pi is directed by Ang Lee. It was based on a novel by Yan Martel. I was working in a bookshop when it came out and won the, uh, the Man Booker Prize. And everyone, the, the, the phrase in the bookshop was, have you had your life pied? Um, because it was like, literally, so many people come in and buy the book and then buy three more fucking copies to hand to relatives <laughs> and say, you have to read it. Have you read it? This was also the same era they were saying, have you read The Da Vinci Code? And I was like, just fuck off. Whatever you're about to recommend to me, fuck off. But I have read it. And it is pretty good. And I really, really like this film. I think it's genuinely beautiful cinema. And I'm not alone in that because it was nominated for 11 Oscars and won four of them, including Best Director, Best Score, Best Cinematography, and Best Visual Effects. There's a, it was also in 3D, in, in the sort of Avatar early age of 3D, and it looked good because it had actual depth to it. it because again, a lot of it was CGI and the open waters and such. There's a nice section where a bunch of fish are just sort of, you know, flying fish are leaping out of the water and they go outside of the, um, uh, of the ratio bars, the back yeah. bars at the top of the screen. It's like, Oh, and because it's in 3D, it's even more, oh shit. It's just a little, little touches, little flourishes from Ang Lee that's really lovely. But for those who don't know, sounds really lovely and like lighthearted. <laughs> As a, it's, not, it's not for your kids. Um, so, well, it's a PG, so it is. Is it? I thought it was like a 12. It's, it's PG. Fuck me. Uh, I don't think it probably shouldn't be, considering. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to spoil because... it because it's only 10 years old, but. Yeah. There be murder and stuff. There's a lot of dark. Dark subject matter. So basically, it is about this kid called, well, he's named after a swimming pool called Piscine, but uh, he calls himself Pi, sort of re- redefines himself. And he's a young Indian kid in Pondicherry, or Puducherry now. Um, and he loves God, basically, the idea of God. So he follows 
uh, Hinduism, Christianity, and Islam to the chagrin of every motherfucker. It's like, you can't do that. It's like, yeah, I can. I like God so much. I'm going to like follow all these religions. It's like, <laughs> mm, and obviously that. The other thing on the side of it is that his family own a zoo and they get a tiger and he's like, oh, I've seen this beautiful thing in this tiger's eyes and I think there's a connection there. And, and he nearly gets his arm basically effectively ripped off. And his parents say, no, you, there is no soul in that animal. Mm. You are seeing yourself reflected in it. And it's a beautiful, like, like one of, it's this, this movie and the book is full of so many little, little idioms, little moments like, yeah, that kind of does make sense. And obviously anyone who has a pet says, fuck off. And mm -hmm. rightly so. But it's, no, that's a wild animal. It can't be, I mean, my, my um, sister-in-law uh, is a zookeeper mm. and she works with the big cats. And it's like, yeah, you know, since like they were born, they've been in the father's in things. Mm. But you don't fucking take your eyes off them. Yeah. They, and yeah. you don't you don't anthropomorphize them. No, exactly. So um, they, for multiple reasons, decide to move this zoo to Canada. They emigrate. And during, appropriate for, for today's recording, en route from India to Canada, the ship that they're on uh, hits an immense storm. Pipe wants to see it really badly because he feels it's this huge way to touch the face of God, basically. Mm, mm. Be so close to the element. And he starts saying stuff. He goes to the top of the ship. <clears throat> and then he feels this immense amount of guilt as the ship then basically sinks and all the animals die. Mm. And it's like, oh shit. And his, his family, more importantly, his mother and his father, and I think he's got a sibling or two, they also die as well. And he finds himself on a lifeboat, a very small lifeboat, uh, with a hyena, a zebra, and an orangutan. And it's like, oh shit. Oh shit, there's wild animals on this boat. And they're mm. all you know, desperately trying to cling to life. And the zebra has a broken leg. And eventually the hyena eats it and he's trying to stop it from doing that. And eventually the orangutan dies as well. And it's all very tragic. And then he, uh, he discovers there's also a fucking, the, the aforementioned tiger is on the boat mm -hmm. and the tiger kills the hyena. Then it's just him and the tiger on the boat. And he's tr desperately trying not to get killed by this fucking thing. He has all of this stuff uh, where he's like trying to mark his territory. He's like, well, I'm going to talk your language. Mm. He's trying to have a relationship with this wild animal. Mm. Which uh, in a very, very, very enclosed mm. environment, where, the, where they, everyone is starving to death, <laughs> precisely, and there's no water, and there's nothing to eat, and there's very limited supplies, and it's just, it's just really like we, the aforementioned things: animal attack, survival. It's like it's all of them, but kind of at the end of the day. Now, it, the additional point to this, and I will not spoil this film for anyone who has not seen it. The additional point is that it's actually framed separately. Uh, with Ifran Khan and Rafe Spall because it's set in Canada and he shows the adult and he's being interviewed about his time at sea and he's regaling his experience and then by the end of it there's a very different framing and says you want to know the, the finite exact history of what happened on that boat and you know the events that, that uh, eventually saw him get to Canada and still embracing religion despite of everything that's happened to him and there are two or three ways one could interpret that story which is true, which is not, which was more interesting story. What's, you know, what's better for a child to understand, et cetera, et cetera. And on, on, on so many levels, it's beautiful. The visuals, I said one, it, it tragically won best visual effects. And then the, the VFX artist's house shut the fuck down because they couldn't get the funding or something yeah. stupid like that. It was incredibly expensive to make. As well. It was, but it, 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 it remains and it's 10 years old now, but it's, it's, it's just such a stunning movie visually. It's tragic and beautiful in how the story's presented. The acting is great. It's done mostly on a soundstage with CGI background stuff. And yeah, it's a lot of CGI. It's a lot of CGI. And even like, because mm. again, not to spoil too much, because it, mm -hmm. it does rely on a lot of that. It gets more fantastical elements and like suggests like, oh, one of the characters might be hallucinating and all this yes. kind of stuff. 
or is this a real like magical place of the world that Precisely. he's like floated to and all this kind of stuff? Yeah. That's very clearly CGI, but all the like more realistic stuff that's also see is also CGI. <laughs> yeah. And you forget. Yeah. Because the animals are so believable. The even like the ship sinking thing where you get the, you know, the horrible fucking visions of all the animals oh, the drowning yeah. and floating yeah. away and all this horrible shit. So believable. And the visual effects are absolutely incredible. Yeah. And yeah. make those characters just, you know, sorry, make those animals characters in a way. Yes, be yes. Before you even have the kind of, there's no like anthropomorphizing of those animals. No. They're not like fucking Dawn of the Planet of the Apes or something and mm, <laughs> talking yeah. chimpanzees and stuff. It's not but, the classic, it, everything wags its tail to show it's happy like a dog. Yeah. That shorthand. You get like the zebras frantically trying to swim away and trapped in cages and all that uh, kind of stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Traumatizing stuff. Yeah. And then, yeah, you get these visual spectacle moments later on with this more like dream sequency kind of stuff that is just an insane amount of colors on this pit black background and yeah, you can't tell yeah. where the the quote-unquote sea meets the quote-unquote sky mm. in this weird dreamscape and it's just this like abyss of black that is somehow beautiful and bizarre and yeah. untamable and all this weird it's so many different things happening at once and yeah it kind of manages to balance so many different emotions and, and themes at the same time which i think is a real accomplishment from Ang Lee and the, the visual effects team as well. Definitely. I think it, it has a, an element of a sort of almost Gulliver's Travel, Jonathan Swift kind of thing. Yeah, to it. yeah. In the sense that it is like, as you say, is this really how Are we saying it's like a fantastical journey or are we just saying he was fucking dying of heat stroke? What is this? It's like, and then it, and the film actively says, doesn't yeah. doesn't it, yeah. it, it actually doesn't matter yeah. because of the person I became because of it. And you go, fuck, that's kind of beautiful. And that's the, the whole like having your life pie mindset. It's like it's about perspectives and envisioning things and your place in life and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a wonderful movie. Um. It it's tricky because it did the rounds ten years ago, obviously because things. I don't know. I don't know how many people have seen it though. I don't know because I know people. It's a big endurance thing, and people go, eh, I don't know. I don't like. It's only two hours long. Yeah, but it feels, it feels longer. Feels longer. It does. Yeah. I I haven't seen it. I've read the book. Mm. And I kind of bounced off the book a bit. I, fin uh, yeah. I finished the book, but I was like, I don't see what the fuss is about. I am 100% with you, Tim. I did not like the book very much at all. Yeah. I think the I think the film is good. I don't like it anywhere near as much as you do. No, I that's know, fine. Yeah. I know you and I have talked about this before, Matt. Yes. I think it's very much Life of Pi is your Finding Dory and my Finding <laughs> Dory is your Life of Pi. Sure, sure. There we go. Um, and yeah, it's an interesting thing because, like you said, it won so many awards and stuff. And I went in having, I think, my mum... Again, a big reader, big influence in Did that some way Some people well. hype this for you. Yes. Yeah. Oh, very much yeah. so, yeah. Um, I think my mum had read the book and gave it to me. I was like, you need to read this. And I was like, oh, I'm not that keen on it. This is fine. Mm. And then the film was like, oh, okay, yeah, I prefer that to the book. But yes. like... It's still bouncing. Yeah, yeah. I, I genuinely feel, in a weird way, and this is an odd link here, but it's another one that won like, really big at the Oscars, Slumdog Millionaire. Oh, yeah. Which, again, based on a book, called Q&A, I believe. A lot of people bounced off it. A lot of people didn't get it. A lot of people didn't get into it. Mm. I think it's really genuinely about circumstance and age. So it being mm. a PG, for example, I'd say the film should be a 15, not because of the graphic violence or anything, but because 
sometimes more mature themes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think you need to, you you need to be of a certain. And I'm not saying age specific maturity to. And I'm not saying oh god, I was saying really lecture. It's not even mature people. <laughs> but I'm I'm trying to get across the point that you don't like it, you just don't get. You it. You just don't get it. Yeah, God. That sounds like something Matt would say. Right, yeah. listeners. Uh, I don't know if I'd say that specifically. No, yeah, I'm, but, ta- I'm taking no, the piss. But the point is that I genuinely feel it's a kind of thing that is addressed to a specific audience, and it's people who have been through something genuinely traumatic and horrible and, and been how it's stuck at sea yeah, yeah and how it doesn't define you and people who have either something very big in their life whether it's religion or a, a really big scientific calling or a huge you know patriarchal matriarchal family member it's, it's something there that's like an institutional thing that they have been given by their family that's really important that they also have difficulty understanding and dealing with. That sounds like Finding Dory to me, Matt. It sounds exactly like Finding Dory. Just describe that Finding Dory. That needs to escape. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, and I think it's, it's just one of those things whereby some people go, eh, not for me. And that's fine, by the way. I'm not saying everyone should fucking love the shit of it. I'm just saying for a film that is set at sea, and we said about how the logistics of that is a nightmare, sometimes when you're even not at sea and just in a big tank, it's even worse sometimes, and you're doing all the CGI to make the fucking thing work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, great, great film for me. I really love it. And it's what I, one of the ones I think to of immediately when it comes to this sort of, other than The Hunt for October, which I've already talked about in the other episode. <laughs> Two very opposite ends very of the different. spectrum there. Yeah. Um, we skipped it for Moana, so let's hop back. What do you think Moana is on Rotten Tomatoes? Oh, sorry, Before yeah. we finish round mm. one of our Oh, Oh, 95. Tim? 97. Matt, you're bang on with 95. Oh, shit. And what about Life of Pi? 95. <laughs> <laughs> 89. Tim, you're closer. It's 86 on ah, the critics score. Ah, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> so Life by 86 on critics, 84 on users. Moana is 95 on critics and 89 for users. Yeah, I think so. Moana, I, I, to be fair, I think Moana should be higher. I also think Life should be a bit Only a bit higher. I think, I <laughs> I think both, them, both of them but... could do with a couple of points up. Probably. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. That's yeah. fair. One's acquired taste, the other one's fucking Moana. It's like, yeah, it's the whole, again, it's like the whole... Finding, uh, who doesn't finding... like Finding Nemo? Who yeah, doesn't like, like Moana? Yeah, yeah. you're going to like this. Unless you're a big old racist. Yeah, I think that's. I wonder if some like. Of course it is. Hit like. They're making all secret, my princess secret, films. secret racist reviews where they're like, they're not saying. Tell I me d- you're I don't like the film. Yeah, I don't like the film because some other reason, but actually it's because it's like a, a woman of color is the lead. I'm just saying character. a princess shouldn't be like adventuring. She should be uh, saved. And yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what you're trying to say. Yeah. So, uh, what's your other white princess film? <laughs> other than the white fish. In a, in a way, it is. Uh, no, it's not. What you're about to say is fucking... I can't believe I'm <laughs> fucking including this. You psycho. I, I wanted to... This is... Yeah, this is a bit of a joke pick. Uh, I'm going to start with the Rotten Tomatoes score. Please do. Uh, so, bearing in mind, Finding Nemo was 99%. One of the highest scores we've ever had in the history Universal of acclaim. Mm. Universal acclaim. Mm. Uh, my next pick is from 2009, so six years later. Mm-hmm. Bang in the middle, almost, of Finding Nemo, Finding Dory. A couple of years before Life of Pi. In that, you know, sweet spot of the, the greatest sea movies ever made. The best know. CGI ever. Best CGI yeah. ever. Uh, surely, surely these, th- the, the, the Finding, Finding Nemo, Dory-verse, Life of Pi, and this film, ripe for a crossover. Exactly. Christ. I'm talking about 2009's Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. <laughs> Brought to you by none other than The Asylum. Oh, we are finally getting to an <laughs> Asylum film. If you know, you know. The Welcome to The Asylum. Of it. You maniacs. So, what does Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus from 
21 critic reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. I was going to say ungraded, does, but fuck what me. What does it have? It's not ungraded. Five. Because some psychos are like, oh, it's a really good fun film. <laughs> fuck your mouth. <laughs> 20, 21 reviews. I'm going to say it's got like 30%. Yeah, it's probably more likely, isn't it? <laughs> it's 19%. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> uh, there's... Uh, Okay, we talk about people enjoying tat and shit. I I enjoy shit films. That's fine. You can enjoy. <laughs> the, 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 I like fucking Neil Breen movies for Christ's sake. But to say it's a good or well-made film, <laughs> is like well, considering that no, 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 no. Fuck you. You're part of the problem. But there's there's there is objective reviews are completely false. <laughs> there is no such thing as an objective review or an objective critic. Fair. All a critic does is that they have a broader spectrum of things that they are judging stuff against and a broader base of knowledge. That's true. Having said that, this is an objectively bad movie. <laughs> it, is, it is poorly made, poorly acted, poorly shot, poorly directed, poorly visually affected. <laughs> it's poorly executed on every level. It is level. visually affected, yeah. Uh, I have a positive review here from oh, Jesus. Bill Gibran from Pop Matters, everybody's favourite critic. Your boy, Bill Gibran here. Yeah. Schlock may be an acquired taste, like caviar or foie gras or Arby's. No, that's not a good comparison. <laughs> Jesus! But it's hard to see how anyone wouldn't enjoy this extremely tacky dish. Very easy to not enjoy it. Bill, you maniac. Because it's one of the worst, most incomprehensible caviar, movies I think I've ever seen. foie gras, Arby's. I think he did that on purpose. Oh, I know. It was but, stupid. Yeah, so... Calling you out, Bill, For those sorry. of you who don't know, The Asylum are infamous, not famous, they are infamous for making fucking terrible, low-budget schlock. Almost intentionally. Like, yeah, they're, they're definitely at the point now where they're doing it intentionally. I'm not sure they were at that point in 2009. Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus is exactly what it says on the tin. No explanation needed, really. There is a like a Megalodon giant thing, like the Meg, funnily enough, it's a prehistoric giant shark thing. And also a giant octopus, and they fight. I mean, like I, God, I like, like God, big before Godzilla versus shit. Kong, before Batman v Superman, we had Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. All the kaiju fans are literally screaming about the '60s one at you and gonna cut your face, man. <laughs> I did that. Offer. I, 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 this is just my troll pick. Basically. I know, I know, and I don't want to keep like obviously falling in the troll and hole. It worked, Matthew. It worked. But here I am, digging myself deeper, screaming, but you can't. Be. All, the, all the films we named from the first half of the show could have been any of those films. <laughs> I remember seeing this on the, the dock and thinking, ha ha ha, yeah. And then it's still there today. I'm like, ha 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 ha, yeah. But seriously, Jack, what's your... No, what's your actual picture? Yeah. yeah. Mega Shark vs. Giant Octopus. Fair enough. It's, it's one of the films I have recommended to people because it is so bad. People, okay. I have people who have said like, oh, I've always like, what's a bad film? People talk about like Sharknado, for example. But like, that's become... Which, which was after this? Yes, it yeah. is. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, this is kind of... So, to put it into perspective of the Asylum side of things, this is just after, funnily enough, Transmorphers, because Transformers was a couple of years ago. <sighs> and in a similar way that South Park was able to like churn out shit in like 10 minutes and be very topical on subject compared to the simpsons or family guy or whatever it is where they had a much longer production time so they'd never be yes. talking about the weekly events or what's happened this month it was always yeah. months and months down the line somehow the asylum well i know how because they're made for like 15 dollars. they churn out their films like oh transformers is coming out we have ours 
it's not a delay in parodying it. It happens at the same time. Yeah, there's a there's a huge industry across books and, and film and TV and mm. music, which is like this thing is going to be big. There'll be enough confused parents out there who will buy this mm. instead. And like that's that's yeah. yeah. You go and yeah, you go to the not... bargain bin and HMV or whatever the fuck it is, whatever you guys mm. have in America or whatever, mm. and you find a thing that looks like robots. And oh, the kids were talking about the film with the robots. Yeah, uh -oh. we have Transformers at home. Yeah. <laughs> It's not. It's not even parody. It's just rip off. It's yeah, knock yeah. Off, yep. You know, yeah. they're known as mockbusters because yes. it's just. I will give Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus one thing. It's not a rip off of anything. It's no, just bullshit. No, it's just a bunch of yeah, schlocky mm. nonsense. Um, it has maybe the worst visual effect I've ever seen on a film. I chose to watch of my own accord. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Um, there is Birdemic still exists. Birdemic yeah. is the worst. I have seen Birdemic actually as well, but yeah. It's along similar sort of lines. There is a giant shark, hence the name, Mega Shark. Uh, a Mega Shark that leaps out of the water, takes a plane out of the air. There's a nice it, shot before that, though, with the passenger going, and staring out the window. Yeah. It's like, oh shit. And the shark jumps, the plane is flying. Mm. Then the guy reacts. Then the rest of the shark jump happens. And then, like, a Windows Movie Maker explosion happens. <laughs> and then there's bits of plane in the sea and that's the whole thing it jumps at the side of the fuselage but then suddenly he's at the front of the plane and the back of the plane rocks about and then it bites the plane like wait what <laughs> it's see, bad see that's the thing shark jumps out of the ocean and, and takes out a plane like big giant shark jumps out of the ocean takes out a plane i have no problems with that if that shows up in aquaman and is well executed. If it's well executed, I'm okay with it. Yeah. See, that's the it's thing. It's just the terrible execution. Octopus playing the drums in fucking Aquaman. I'm okay yeah. with it. But I mean, also, doesn't it bite half of like the Golden Gate Bridge? Yes, it does. Fuck's sake. It's a mega shark, Matt. I, I don't it's know what mega else. bridge. <laughs> yeah. And the actual fight between Mega Shark and Giant Octopus is some of the worst reusing of the same shot mm. four, five, maybe 18 times in a row. We paid it's, a lot of money for that one shot. It's the same. So the shark bites one of the tentacles of the, the giant octopus, and the octopus starts to strangle the shark with its tentacles, and then it bites a tentacle off. And that opening bit of, I bite one tentacle and get strangled a bit, happens about seven or eight times <laughs> in a row. Just the same shot I mean, over. If it's, if it's biting off the tentacles. There's only so many. No, yeah. So the first bit, <laughs> it, it bites a tentacle. Mm. Oh, and then it, it culminates with biting one of them or one or two of them off. Mm. But the actual same like fighting animation oh, no, I get you saying, I happens a half a dozen times. Yeah. It is it is a masterclass in bollocks. <laughs> Just utter rubbish. Yeah, I bet Jonathan Firth Clark is wringing his hands with glee because he loved this slocky nonsense. And it is one of my like not guilty pleasures because I know it's shite. And I don't enjoy it, but I quite enjoy introducing it to other people. Yeah. And you know, you have that moment where you're sat next to a loved one <laughs> and you're just like, here it comes. Yeah. It's going to jump at the plane. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. It's shit, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's spectacularly shit. And I felt like I couldn't not talk about it because I've recommended it to so many people over the years. It, it reminds me a bit of where you see people like recreating like scenes from films or like opening credits or stuff but just using stock footage a hundred percent tim <laughs> yeah definitely 100 percent. so it was then of course followed by mega shark versus crocosaurus in 2010 oh yeah banger yeah uh then mega shark versus mecha shark 
in 2014. I don't think I've seen that one. I have. And then I've seen all the Mega Shark collection. Oh, you, you were <laughs> I'm a connoisseur. The franchise. Yes. Fuck me. Uh, and then the most recent <laughs> one is Mega Shark versus Colossus. Is that the robot one? Yes. I've seen that one. That is like an, an Ultraman he style. Around, sort of. Yeah, giant yeah. Japanese looking thing robot I, thing. I worry yeah. about saying this given what Jack has just said, but I have, I have actually seen none of them. Good. Well, obviously. Good. You <laughs> may, you've chosen wisely. Yeah. Good. In the words of the guy from Indiana Jones. The Grail Knight. Yes, the Grail Knight. You've chosen Octopus. <laughs> You've chosen Mega. Uh, yeah, it's it's the first installment in the Mega Shark series. That's a sentence. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. a thing. It's a thing. Uh, and yeah, it's a big pipe. Just a big old pile of shit. <laughs> big pipe of poo. Big your pipe like of poo. Cable. <laughs> it's a big pile of shit, yes. and yeah. doesn't probably doesn't deserve your time. It's like eighty. Two minutes long. But the amount of stuff set in the sea, it's also set in the air. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A bunch of it is in the air as well. And yeah, it's one of the... It was my introduction to the asylum and the the whole mockbuster thing. And it blew my mind that a film I could buy on DVD... I own it on DVD to this day. Is it a DVD that I own that you don't, Matthew? You, yeah. Yes. You scorned me for owning but, random stuff. Hey, you own it. more bad stuff than I do. But, yeah, my, but, uh, but yeah. my bad stuff is worse. And that's a true uh, no, connoisseur, no, I right? A lot there. of real shit. Um, Anything worse than Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus? I again, think, everything I think... by Neil Breen. <laughs> I cannot stress this enough. <laughs> he is the absolute worst filmmaker on this planet. Uwe Boll? No, no, Neil Breen. Okay. And I love him. And I've got like a cartoon, like caricature picture of him in my office. It was given to me as a gift. <laughs> you, you want to see fucking bad effects? Fuck me. Anyway, not the point. That's that's Jack's final pick of the episode. You're welcome, and I'm sorry, Tim. <laughs> Let's go to something a bit more interesting, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And just just yes. Yes. End of episode. My pick is one that's maybe a little controversial. It's it's going to get people raising eyebrows and calling bullshit, but I agree yeah. with you. Is it more controversial than Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus? Tim? I would say it's differently controversial. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm Fair. gonna be less pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> Because arguably, only quite a small percentage of this film actually takes place on the sea. Start your outrage meters going. However, I would say that the majority of this film is defined by the sea and uh, the, yeah, yeah. the location in relation to it. Yes, we mentioned earlier briefly about Free Willy, for example. Mm. I think, yeah, that you can't, I mean, you, you could have like, you know, the Goonies, mm. a lot of the sea is very much a part of it. There's a pirate treasure and mm. the cove and the, the, the beach village. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, great. Old, the beach makes you old. Yeah, mm. not really. Free Willy, you can't do without the fucking big old fish yeah. in the sea bit, as well as jumping over the, and to get to the sea. Mm. And then you have Tim's pick. My pick is Castaway. I remember when Castaway came out in the cinema mm. and I watched it. And the attitude was, I'm sorry, what? It's three hours of Tom Hanks on an island. Yeah. I'm not watching that. <laughs> and I come out and thinking, I really fucking love this film. Yeah. Robert Zemeckis has a weird career. Doesn't he, yeah. Um, but I think this was pretty much him at the height of his powers. This was him when he was like, I can take big swings and I can get away with them and I can make a bunch of money with them as well. I did Back to the Future and Forrest Gump, motherfucker. I can do what I like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. And... You know, this was, in a lot of ways, a very ambitious movie because it essentially made a chunk of it and then about half of it and then shut down production and then Robert Zemeckis went off and made another film yeah. to give Tom Hanks time 
to slim down from being kind of like a slightly portly uh, mid Midwest or, or a, I think he's from like Tennessee or somewhere. Yeah. Um, guy uh, who works for FedEx is in a plane crash at sea. Uh, 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 one of the, still one of those sequences that I find very like it gives me like a visceral fear. Mm. Um, yeah, it's that done bit, very well. there's a bit where the jet engine is like tipping into the ocean and sucking up all the water yeah, and he's yeah. trying to like paddle away from it and I'm like whoa that's so many terrifying things at once it's <laughs> <laughs> like choppy blades and cold water and also imminent explosion yeah, yeah. Um, and electrics in there somewhere yes yeah yeah crashes uh, is the sole survivor of a plane crash and washes up on the shore of an island in the sort of Pacific somewhere yes twice the size of Texas <laughs> not the island the, the area the area yes because they went off course yeah um and then we de- we see his initial attempts at survival and then as i said it cuts away and it jumps forward to him i think it's six years later it's a significant it's a, amount of time. Yeah. yeah i think it's six um, years later. and he has gone undergone a huge physical transformation where he has slimmed down to the size that you would be if you were, uh, and also the hairiness that you would be if you were surviving on a desert island by yourself and all you were eating was like fish and coconut, basically. Yeah, it's the thing where if you wandered in the cinema midway through and it's like, oh, it's like a Robin Crusoe film, mm. a Robinson Crusoe film. It's like, oh, it must be like it's set in the 17, 1800s. Like he's got the big beard and the big old blonde mm. hair. It's like, no. Yeah. And then, and then you see that the axe he's using is made using an ice skate. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I always loved that aspect of the fact that he works for FedEx and he has all the packages that wash up on the beach after the crash. It's a really clever thing yeah. to introduce new things and, yeah. and yeah. make it feel, like you said, Matt, out of that kind of 1800s-y kind of thing and making it more modern yeah. and, mm. yeah, having that nice little twist well, on it. shipwreck stories were huge in the 1800s. Mm. They were like the backbone of like adventure stories because it was real and it could happen Yeah, and did happen. I was like, imagine that. You're traveling one place and they're not just like, you know, um, oh, am I a pirate at sea or there's been mm. a mutiny and I've left the crew on board? Mm. Like, no, no, I'm just going on holiday. I'm emigrating. I'm moving somewhere. Yeah. You know? Holiday's not really a thing. Either. But the idea <laughs> that you'd go somewhere and it's possible that on the way, the ship would just go down and you'd yeah. be living on a desert island. Yeah. Insane. And I, I, I have, it's not something that I consciously tend to seek out, but thinking back on it, I'm like, there's been a lot of stories of like people or groups stranded by themselves either like in the wilderness or on desert islands and stuff that i've enjoyed from like my childhood onwards <laughs> i can go like oh yeah i read that, that that series of books that i really enjoyed that was like a teen stranded in the canadian wilderness and then i watched castaway and then lost came out and i really enjoyed that and blah oh, yeah. blah blah right up to modern day and the i think i raved about to um matt and jack recently yellow jackets mm, yes. um yeah. which is a similar story of a group of girls stranded in the canadian uh, wilderness mm full circle um (laughs) so i have a real affection for these kind of stories um and i think there is a part of your brain i want to say especially if you're a man that is like i could do that society Uh, (laughs) pushes it it's a yeah i'm vegetarian i'll be fucked coconuts coconuts that's how he survives just coconuts get diarrhea from yeah exactly (laughs) i'm not i'm not that big on coconuts either (laughs) i'm fucking will be son yeah um yeah, but I think I think there's definitely part of you that's like, oh, okay, that's that's how he does that. That's there the is thing. some deep primal thing. Isn't yeah. There? yeah, yes. Yeah. And whether that's real or just how society has pushed us to believe it is a thing, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's still there. Yeah, yeah. I think I think this is a genuinely 
fantastic film. I think Tom Hanks is so good with it. You don't really, it's only when you come away from it and you think, oh yeah, that was just like Tom Hanks by himself for two hours and then bookended with, with having some yeah, other people 50 in 50 minutes on you, either end with other people, but yeah, two hours of you, solid Hanks. Yep, yeah, the you forget because he's so compelling and he's so... Yeah. It's glorious storytelling and setting in production design mm. with an enigmatic actor that you happily yeah. could watch for hours. Yeah. It's, it's one of those like perfect casting moments. I'm not saying like, oh, nobody else could have done that, but like nobody else could have done it the way Tom Hanks did. Yeah. yeah. Would he, you have wanted to watch it if it was anyone else? Yeah, exactly. Russell Crowe? No. <sighs> Getting pass. Grumpy and yeah. punchy yeah. after a while. It's the 90s. Harrison Ford? But we did it actually with uh, was it Seven Days and Seven Nights with that yeah. Pass. Brendan Fraser, really charming fucking guy, but also, I don't know if it's really his thing. He... Maybe, maybe uh, latter day Brendan Fraser. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, Tom Cruise. Tom right. fucking Cruise running right. his way around the island. Yeah. 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 No, I yeah. think, I think Cruise, uh, Cruise. I think Hanks is fantastic in it. Yes. I think Zemeckis' direction is great. It yep. really sells the reality and occasional beauty of it. And like I say, it has a terrifying plane crash at sea. It has extended... Because Hanks' character mostly lives either on the beach or in a cave that is near the beach. And so you have the constant pre presence of the sea. You have the moments where he climbs to the kind of summit of the island and looks around and just sees the ocean. And, you know, it's not a huge island. It's not a tight, it's not comedy, you know, single beach with single palm tree on it. But, yeah, you yeah, know, I yeah. think of as like the, the, the far side uh, I was deserted say, island. Yeah, it's a, it's a political cartoon yeah. island, yeah. Uh, but no, it's, it's big enough that it's substantial but it's also small enough that it doesn't ha really have like there's no like wild pigs or anything on it no anything like that no. it's you know the stuff that's in the ocean mm. and coconuts yeah and uh so it's constantly defined by the sea and the weather that comes this so you know you think like oh it's a tropical island it's like yes that means typhoons and yes uh, you know storms lashing the mm -hmm. the landscape mm -hmm. Then it has his escape to sea, uh, and the difficulty of that, and the yep. nature of it's an island with kind of a coral atoll around it that makes it really difficult to escape because of the pattern of the waves, what is needed to get over the kind of the waves that come in. And he finally, you know, however many years he's stranded on the island, gets something that could sort of work as a sail. Yes. Um, yes. That is enough to propel him over the apex of the waves, and you have a sequence at sea, which is when he also loses Wilson, the mm. uh, the the volleyball that has essentially kept him sane during his time on the island, and, and that's tragic for what is essentially a that's volleyball floating away. Yeah. It's pure acting. It's making me yeah. believe this and inanimate object is alive, and in you're watching the movie thinking just. Just go get him. Yeah, because you see, <laughs> it's the great bit because there's been, I believe there's been a storm and his raft that he's been floating on has become slightly wrecked. You see the bit where Wilson is attached and you see him coming loose and it dips down into the water and then it comes back up. And that's happening in the foreground. You've got Tom Hanks just kind of passed out in the midground. Yes. And then it kind of dips back down again, comes back up and then it dips back down and Wilson comes loose and starts floating away. And you just see him kind of leave leave the screen. I say him. And it, is that it's a volleyball, yeah, but it's yeah, him. Yeah. Uh, you see him like float away, and you're just sat there going, "Wake up, wake up, yeah. Chuck, your you're, child." You're, yeah, yeah. 
your companion is going missing and then and you know he's unable to make it and unable to get him back and it's like you say it's really heartbreaking and it's down to the power of tom hanks's performance exactly what it is i mean yeah it's obviously this framing this production design there's Mm. a genius bit of production design and there's just the simplicity of the face yeah because humans look for faces all the time and turn a pattern Mm. recognition but it's hanks yeah hanks makes you believe it yeah yeah and then you have glorious you have a few other great moments to see you have the moment where there's Pat won't like it. The whales yeah, passing like by. I don't like it. And that moment where he's, you know, he is at the the end of it. Like he is basically passed out on the ship and like can't, too exhausted to row anymore, s- starving to death at this point. Yeah. And you have that ship pass by. It's kind of big, you know, freighter. Cargo yeah. thing. Cargo yeah. ship yeah. passing by. And again, he's just lying there and he can just barely reach up his hand and just be kind of like, please. Yeah. Um, it's, it's pure and it puts, endurance. Uh, and Human, it puts you yeah. right down on his level of that <laughs> and the enormity of the ship. And you just, it, it, the film does a lot of, I think, quietly interesting stuff with just like scale of just like how easy th- uh, and how easy things were compared to how hard things are when you have nothing. And yeah, the fact that, you know, he, he traveled all over the world so much before as this kind of problem solver for FedEx. Yes. And then getting off this island becomes so hard. And there's bits like where he goes back to civilization and he has just a lighter that he's that's just clicking. It. That's and the it's one. just like so simple. It took yeah. him so long to get fire going. And he's yeah. like, that's like that very like caveman, like, oh, I have created fire. It's a beautiful yeah. moment. And then he stood there, he's in this little dining room and he has that, it's even just like the little, um, uh, the little candle lighter. Candles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He just stands there. And he, again, beautiful performance from Hanks. Mm. He's so still. And then and it comes yeah. on and off. Yeah. And it's just like, oh. And in his face, it's, it's that, that beautiful defeat of society. It's just mm, acting. Great. And just that moment of, yeah, his little tiny raft that he's worked so hard on. And then you have this giant big cargo ship yeah. that's just transporting just like whatever. Old stuff. Yeah. Fucking Poundland yeah. town. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I think even though it's a film that doesn't necessarily all take place at sea, I think it's so defined by it. I and agree. It's, I agree. A, it's, it's one of those films that if I happen across it on TV, I will always just then watch to the end of it. I think Hanks has that effect for yeah. sure. The Vortex. So, so many of the Hanks' films. The Hanks are, Vortex. Yeah, when yeah. you're talking Forrest Gump or The Terminal or Castaway or whatever. Doesn't matter, you'll draw you in. Have that moment where you're like, oh, that's on. And you're like, oh, I'll stick that on in the background. And then you find yourself like, I've stopped, I stopped hoovering 20 minutes ago and now I'm sat down watching Tom. <laughs> Why am I crying? Hanks, you got me again, you <laughs> motherfucker. I am your Hanks. Um, to round things off for Castaway, what do you think it is on Rotten Tomatoes, gentlemen? Mm, Critic s- score of 157 reviews. I think a lot of critics were pissy about it at the time. I'm going to say... I'm going I'm to be bold and say 76. I think, it's, 76? I think it should be a 90s, but I think 76. Yeah, I'm going to say like a 84. Tim, you're close. It's 89. Okay, I think that is pretty spot on. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, fair. That's personally. Fair. Uh, audience score of 84. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair, pretty, fair. Pretty fair. Matt, our final choice of the evening. Your boy's done fucked up. So we had uh, the outrageous and the very schlocky and silly from Jack. We had the uplifting and beautiful and human spirit from Tim. Um, oh, of Mega Shark. Uh, okay. No, 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 I'm afraid not. What's, the uplifting Mega what's Shark. Matt brains of a table. Despair. Um, Korean despair. Korean despair. Right, there's a film called Sea Fog. It came out in 2014. It's directed by Shim Sung Bo. You don't know, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) 
but the reason being I know is because he's only directed a handful of films, but uh, like actually one film technically, but more importantly, he's worked on a handful of films. Specifically, he co-wrote Memories of Murder with Bong Joon-ho, which is a fucking amazing movie. And he then wrote this movie that I'm about to talk about, Seafog, with Bong Joon-ho, who also produced it. So in 2001, there was a real life event uh, that took place in the sea between China and South Korea, uh, or the Korean Peninsula in general, uh, which was then adapted into a play in 2007 and then made into this film in 2014. I'm going it's to... The, it's, the, it's the premise of the movie. I'm not going to ruin things, but I'm going to talk about bits of it and it does impact it a lot but yeah it's the story of it's bon joon ho it's fucking cynical have and have nots kind of thing and, and whoa, whoa, whoa. are you suggesting it's a south korea movie <laughs> about like caste systems and the difference between like i don't know maybe like rich and poor people yeah and the yeah and the opportunities and what the desperation and what it makes you do and the, the the decisions you have to make yeah. i don't yeah. believe you yeah i know it's, it's, a, bit, it's a bit wacky a bit who would have guessed a guess? bit out of the usual no it is and um it's okay. So there are a sect of uh or group of, of, of Chinese nationals who are South Korean Chinese in origin by birth and ethnicity. It's really hard for these individuals to come legally work and live in South Korea. So it's about a fishing trawler who is taking it's just a bit of a you know randomly unscrupulous individual as the captain and it's got his his uh it doesn't portray fishing folk very well. Knowing adjacently a handful of them, I kind of get it. It's it's the idea that one thing we haven't actually discussed about the sea. No offense to anybody who works on the sea. Um, Hello, some <laughs> listeners we specifically know work on the sea. Precisely. I know multiple people. Yeah, you. They work in isolation, mm. and there is a lot of paranoia, a lot of superstition, mm. a lot of because it's isolation. One of like fishermen is still one of the most dangerous professions that there is. Yeah. It's it's insane. Like, World's deadliest catch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like kind of vastly stuff. more than like police officer or yeah, anything yeah. like that. Yeah. You th- and you think yeah. you're going to lose a limb. Even with how far we've come in terms of like technology and safety and yeah. all the precautions and all the kind of protections we have now, mm-hmm. tying into things like police officers is a good example. Like yeah. all, the, all the like things we now have to, you know, do to protect them in their daily jobs, protect civilians from police officers and this whole kind of thing about how we've structured our society around that blokes going out on boats catching fish sure there's a bunch more technology than there was a hundred years ago Mm. but the sea is the sea and boats are boats and Mm. fish are fish and and also it's the thing we've been doing for so long that it kind of doesn't change that much fundamentally like Yeah. yeah there's new bits of technology like on the ships stronger nets gps tracking yeah but the actual act of like no, we just we put the net in the ocean and then we bring up the net yeah. and the fish are in the net. That's exactly like, that it. has not changed a huge amount yeah. in thousands of years, maybe. <laughs> Very much, yeah. <laughs> since we started venturing out into back into the sea to find, well, hang on, there's some tasty things on the shoreline. If we go deeper in the sea, we might find some bigger mm. fish. It's like how we do that. Go as, as Tim said, get on the flotation device with some something, something to the grab first them. Person with. was to just grab a fish and be like, mm, yeah, delicious. <laughs> like all human experience, out of desperation, you'll yeah. eat anything. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, this fishing trawler, so fishermen, it portrays them as, as very, uh, blue collar workers who mm-hmm. are, you know, just trying to get by, just get a living. They're very base urge kind of individuals, but they're good with each other and they're honest, hardworking individuals, arguably. They take on a fairly shady contract of while they're out in the sea doing this stuff, they're going to, um, 
smuggle a bunch of immigrants into South Korea. And so they go out to these coordinates and take on board these Chinese Korean nationals. And they're not treated fantastically. Welcome to the life of an illegal immigrant. Precisely. But the people who have done the journey back and forth are saying, this isn't how it usually goes. You have to do X, Y, Z. You know, you have to do this. You'll actually give them just probably maybe too much stuff and all these sort of things. It's just, okay, fine, whatever. Because they haven't really done it before properly. And in amongst all this stuff and the particular very difficult situation of this fog descending, hence the name Sea Fog as the title, there's a mariner police, basically, or marine police, who inspect the boat. And they're like, if you find these people on, that's us done. That's prison. That's a real thing. That's a problem. They'll get sent back, but we'll go to jail. We lose our life, a living. We're yeah. just simple fishermen. Fuck that. Put them in the hold. So they put them in there. So you say you stay there and you shut the fuck up. Uh, this guy comes aboard. He's a familiar bloke. He's like, why are you out here? What are you looking for exactly? Why didn't you? What? There's nothing here to fish for. He knows. He doesn't know about them. He doesn't really care about the illegal immigrant mm. side of things. He's just looking for a bribe. It's all this sort of you mm. know typical corruption bullshit. Anyway. They reopen the hold, and it turns out that the the sort of freon gas in the uh, fridge that they used to keep the fish in has leaked, and they're all dead. Mm. And this is the thing, like Matt, you spoiling the film. It's like, no, 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 no. This is the this is the movie mm. because one of them isn't in there. She's a young woman, and the youngest of the fishermen sort of falls in love with her because obviously it's just mm. this thing. And then the captain, who is becomes very dark, he's very mutiny in the banty style thing. It goes very dark very quickly. He's like, right, well, we need to chop these bodies up and chuck them in the sea. And, and the thing is, like, they don't know about this other girl, no witnesses, and he's trying to protect her and all this sort of stuff. And it's it, this, this ship just basically becomes this metaphor for this horrific, you know... Uh, the treatment of immigrants. Entirely. The, mm, the entirely. dehumanization of people yeah. and things like that. Yeah. And also the, the way that the, any working class individual is treated as well. Mm. And also the fact that not all of them are good. They're all they're like, mm. oh no, fuck it. Yeah, you're right. Let's deal with this. They all they all feel like, well, I don't want it. I don't want to get in trouble. It's very self-serving. Yeah. And I won't say how the film ends because it's a really interesting development and stuff. But um it's fucking morbid and it's fucking grim. And it's based on a true story. It's based on a true story. Yeah. And the thing is, it is that's horrible. The, that's the thing. The true story element is like the stuff you're seeing is the milder side of it. Because human yeah. trafficking around yeah. is is horrifying. The real life side of it is always gonna be horrible and worse. Yeah. Season two of The Wire with the whole like yeah. you know shipping containers full of dead girls. Yep. And so like, what the fuck happened That's here? It's exactly like, oh, what I they had thought. a pipe and yeah. they just we loaded the thing wrong and it yeah. crushed the windpipe yeah. thing. It's like holy shit. It, it's it's really dark and it's miserable as shit. Um, and I'd say weirdly enough, I don't really think there's any redeeming characters in any of them. No, I think they're all pretty no. awful because. They all knowingly take on this job. They're all knowingly happy just to do this. What can we define as a really simple rapist in that he's just a, just a little bit of a sort of, you know, a mentally slow dude who is desperate to fuck one of these immigrants. It's like, but he feels it's like everyone's had a go. Why can't I have a go? It's like, mm. oh, it's it's really bad. So again, mm. of all these films, like, oh yeah, Life of Pi can really give you a different mindset. And yeah, Finding Nemo is a beautiful film. Castaway so uplifting about what humans can achieve. Also, sea fog is oh. <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> Come over there. Um, yeah, but sea fog is is miserable. It is, but it's also tricky because um, I know Jack probably has the the Rotten Tomatoes at some point. I, I don't know. Do. I don't know it, but I'm pretty sure. It was very polarizing mm. and very divisive because anytime you cover this stuff, uh, there's one called the Shinjuku incident, which is about a similar-ish kind of thing with Jackie Chan. You know, oh, a Jackie Chan movie? It's like, nope. It's about people being smuggled. A sort of from... laughs and uh, hijinks. Yeah. Right? Uh, oh, he's bummed his head a little bit. No, no, no. He's going from uh, 
he's he's f- trying to find a family member who's been smuggled out of China into Japan. They're falling in with the Yakuza and prostitution. So, oh, yeah. oh, oh, God. Yeah. I mean, we have the same thing over here, like with the uh, Eastern promises and the idea of like yeah, absolutely. Eastern Europeans and things coming over smuggled into Britain and Asians as well. It's, it's, it's a fucking nightmare. It's not a good subject, but covering the, the crimes happening in the sea. I mean, literally, there is a phrase for it. Worst things happen at sea. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Did you know they're working on a anglification of it uh, and Western oh, adaptation of it? Because that's the thing that happens. Like, I mean, a, a Korean, a good Korean thing happens. Therefore, we need to make an English-speaking it. version of it. Well, I mean, to be fair, there are lots of examples of that happening a- across the English-speaking world. So we could do our own version and say, yeah. Yeah, like old boy, right? Oh, Nothing went wrong there. Oh, wait. So yeah, I think that's particularly interesting because uh, Bong Joon-ho is producing, which is good. Thank God, actually have somebody who knows what they're talking about and is in touch with like sure, South Korea sure. and Korean cinema and was involved in the original movie as well to kind of hopefully help guide things. Yeah, he wrote and produced it, so he has a heavy hand. Yeah, but I find it interesting that this would be an adaptation of a film based on a book based on a true story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's so many layers of adaptation. Yeah. I wonder if it almost gets to like a game of telephone at that point where it goes through literal translations from mm. from language to language and translations from medium and also like yeah how much of the true story was actually told and like did you omit this bit and like mm. you said oh, yeah. real life is always that much worse and stuff like that i'd be fascinated to kind of compare like you know the original like crime the original like police documentation then to the book mm. version of it yes. and then to the korean film and then to the eventually the in theory yeah. the english speaking film and see how yeah. much that story shifts and, and, and wobbles and waves over time. I think the key point would be for the, because again, being, being a play, it's like, well, yeah, because it's in one location, it's quite easy to do a thing. Yes, it was a play, a sorry, not a book. No, yeah, so, sorry, but same, same yeah. principle in theory is still a different medium and still different focus. But I think the key difference between the real life events and the, the actual criminal events partly comes down to a hint of redemption and a hint of what we could only construe as uh, humanity. Whereas the reality is like, Yes, it was probably very difficult for these individuals. Still fucking did it, though. That kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, not having seen it, the thing it reminds me of is um, Ghosts, which was the film that covered it by Nick Broomfield, oh, uh, yeah. but also, more specifically, the real-life event, uh, the Morecambe Bay cockling disaster in 2004, yeah. when yeah. there were about 21 Chinese illegal immigrant laborers mm. who drowned in Morecambe Bay in Britain. Yes. Um, who were employed to go out and pick the cockles there and then there was a tidal inrush and they got cut off from the mainland and then and then drowned unfortunately yeah yeah but it is yeah the, yeah the... and considering we got for the last i mean that's a great example tim it really is i think that's the key thing here just to just to bring it in because i was like oh yeah this was like 2001 yeah mm. god that's terrible 21 years ago god it's not like we've had uh, seven years of a war in Syria mm. and the amount of migration and you know yeah. tons of people dying in the channel and this and our country and everyone else going eh it's a mm. hassle it's like and mm. the, the amount of climate based migration that is about yes. to happen oh, oh, yes. God. It's gonna 20, 30, 40, 50 Fucking years hell. is going to get worse and worse yeah and there will um, always be some motherfucker who is making money off it and trying to yeah. extort the situation mm-hmm. and the whether they're good intentions or otherwise, it won't be a fucking ride. It'll be something tragic. And yeah. when something does go wrong, you're and, a and because the gov- government rarely has an interest in providing these people with a safety net and with no. safe passage, and so you have these horrible alternate solutions that people 
yeah provide are... or, or or accept because yeah they're so desperate mm. and this thing where accidents can happen so easily well just to take a parallel for a second uh, just to close us all off here we've had a lot of nations going through a, a sense of isolationism uh and that you know the world's problems are not my problems even though our government kind of pro- causes a lot of problems mm. Our government being other governments around the world as well as mm. the United Kingdom. But specifically, an individual in terrible circumstance trying to get back to a better life, braving the sea, arriving in you know a, a, a more financially prosperous mm. situation and or country. That technically is the story of Castaway and Seafog. Except yeah. one is pitched as, oh, I really hope he makes it. And the other one is, oh, fuck me, immigrants. Mm. Um, and it's just like, yeah, but you see the the same thing, right? Mm. You see the connection, the human, the human aspect of it. Yeah. Right? It's like, yeah, I do. I mean, the same thing, like, you know, we feel, I, mean, I hate to say this, but the audience generally, uh, as a general public, if I said about Wilson from Castaway, it's like, mm. oh, it was so fucking tragic when he was drifting away. Mm. And then I'm talking about tragedies happening in the fucking English Channel. It's like, mm. oh yeah, it's really bad. But whereas in the most recent like fucking newspapers, mm. send in gunships, like you got your fucking mind. Yeah. Yeah. So, a, a very dark film to close our little group on, but that's kind of yeah, the point about the whole... Thanks, well, it's the nature of the sea. It's like, pff, as much as like the sea is out to get you, and animals and science fiction of a mm. mega shark, that kind of shit, there are people at sea. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes that's the because, worst yeah. element. The deadliest game, in a way, was man. It was the <laughs> peop- friends we made The, the people the we drowned or <laughs> suffocated to death along the way. People making money off your misery. Mm. Yeah. And ultimately all the films that we've talked about, even when it's something like Finding Dory, and it's like, oh, but they're fish, but they're people. They're people. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. about how people interact with the sea. And With the level of acting, I'd argue there are no people in Megashark versus Giant Octopus. <laughs> I'd say the Megashark is a person. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's the star of the show. He yeah. goes on to be the title character. four sequels. <laughs> Fuck you, Octopus. You okay. are always second billing. Yeah. Well, well probably let... more expensive to animate. Well, let's round things off, shall we? What's sea fog on Rotten Tomatoes, Matt? You uh, you had a theory that it's quite divisive. I do have a theory. I think I, I think I'll it should clue. be eighties, but I'll give you a clue. Yeah, it's higher than Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus, which was nineteen. Uh, yes, and lower than Finding Nemo, which is ninety nine. <laughs> it's somewhere in that you know eighty percent range there somewhere. Yeah, it's like literally looking for a Tom Hanks in two Texases. He <laughs> 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 could be anywhere. Trying to find a Chuck in two um, Texases. He's on that farm with the wing statues with his uh. Fresh, fresh Wilson ball, mm. which he's gonna bloody up. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know. I, I, am gonna say uh, low seventies, seventy-three. Okay, Tim, eighty on the dot, eighty on the dot, ever so slightly closer at seventy-seven percent from the critics. That's not awful. No, that's uh, not awful. Bear in mind, this is from thirteen reviews. Oh, of, okay. Of course then, it is. Then yeah, that's a bit more likely. Yeah, yeah. There's one dissenting one there, basically. Yeah, one I think the, 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 no, the some of the critics were like. You're trying to humanize some piece of shit criminals. And it's like, well, no, because it's not the same story. It's based on the idea of the whole thing. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, I think uh, from what I'm seeing here, the negative reviews is that all of the characters are so unlikable. There's really not much to latch onto as an audience member. It's true. I think a lot of people struggle with that. I know that's something Emma and I talk about quite a lot. If she's struggling with like a fantasy novel and it goes down the kind of like, ooh, grimdark kind of thing. And they purposefully have this like anti-hero character. They're not likable. I was like, yeah. I think that is, that is a barrier for a lot of people going into more. It's true. Dour, more serious, more real kind of 
Some people use Un- art as unpleasant an thing. Yeah, you yeah, don't want exactly. miserable bullshit because you're surrounded by it all the time. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, seventy-seven percent for critics for okay. Sea Fog and sixty-six for audience, which I was surprised by. That is weird. I How thought it was going to be higher on the audience, but no. uh, that is a hundred plus, so not that many. I, I, I again, I can I said this. I, I, I said this in my own breakdown. There's almost nobody you like, even with one of the characters. You're like, well, obviously you like this individual. It's tricky. It's it's tricky. Uh, I can't want to talk about ruining the movie, but yeah, I, I think it's very hard yeah. to really identify or like anybody in the movie. Um, you can sympathize with the uh, uh, maybe a couple of them, but even then, it's just like fucking obvious. It's hard to watch. Yeah, good though. It is. It is. Well, that wraps us up for this week for our adventures and voyages at sea. You can go and follow us on all the social media if you have any suggestions for other sea-based movies that we have not talked about. We've somehow missed it off our list. Please do let us know. We are oh, sequelizing river shit. Lots of yeah, lots of freshwater bollocks. That yeah, bring us your freshwater bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> we are at sequelizers on Twitter, on Instagram, and also on Facebook. If you're still on Facebook for some reason, we're not on TikTok yet because the last time I said we're on this cool new thing, it drowned it in the sea. Funnily you enough, did kill Quibby. I did kill Quibby single-handedly. What I don't kill single-handedly is my own Twitter, which is JLW Chambers. <laughs> Come and follow me on there for various things, such as my cat, my day job, my podcasting, wrestling, video games, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I do another podcast as part of my day job, which is all about SEO and digital marketing. If you work in that industry or would like to work in that industry and learn a little bit more, you can go to search.withcanda.co.uk and find all the episodes there. Full transcriptions and links and all that bollocks are there as well. So You can learn a bit more about search engine optimization and digital marketing. Matt. How can people follow you on the internet? Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z, on the social media platforms. You can also go to theredrighthand.co.uk to read my reviews. You can go to cheesemint.com to see the things that I make. And you can listen to Sumo Drop, which is another podcast which happens every other month to follow the sumo wrestling season. Uh, March 13th, I think, is when it picks up again. That's me. I'm around. Check out my stuff. Uh, Tim, if I was bobbing along in the ocean and you pass me by in a giant ship, what would I call out to you to know that uh, <laughs> to get your attention? To get your handle? To get, I don't know what I'm doing, Tim. I'm very tired. My, my vessel on the digital waters is trivia underscore loud on Twitter. You saved it, Tim. You did. That's, that's where you can find uh, all of my various things that I'm just chirping on about online. I was so terrified you were going to say all my various illegal immigrants. <laughs> My various no. volleyballs covered in blood. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, yeah, that that you can find there. Um, yeah, that's the best place to look for me. Also, if you wake up in the middle of the night and you need a drink of water and you go downstairs, you get a drink of water and you look out into your garden, I'll be there just looking back at you. Fucking hell, um, Michael Myers. Time. That terrifies yeah. me because I do that sometimes. And because you stand in people's gardens. Well, yeah, but that's different. No, but I'm going to have and the, the, I don't have a, a blind or a curtain on my kitchen window. There's an mm. actual kitchen, but where the sink is. And because there's been storms recently, shit's blowing around the garden. Mm. So I, I'm always terrified I'm going to see something. Now and I'm now I'm doubly terrified it's going to be Tim. Yeah, but you you know me. I'll just wave and just carry on with my business. <laughs> it's the business bit I'm worried about. Always got to worry about Tim's business. Tim filing his tax returns <laughs> in my garden. Exactly. That's what we call it these days. We can catch up with all of our live streams or our Discord, our merch, and all that kind of stuff. By going to sequelizers.com, we have a dozen and a half, nearly 20 live streams at this point. It's 
really getting up there. Oh yeah, we've got a lot. That of, champion, uh, champion of champions is coming. It's, it's, getting, it's getting closer. closer. Oh, it's getting dear. closer. This fifth anniversary has got so many things I around know, right? it. It's yeah. orbit. It's insane. Yeah, it's almost like we planned it. We did almost. <laughs> We're not that smart. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you'd like to go and join the kind of post-show discussion, there's always a great discussion on our Discord. Like I said, you can find the links for that in our show notes on the website. Nice and easy. Fantastic community of people. We love talking about podcasts. We talk about sports. We talk about movies. We talk about TV shows, music, other podcasts. We have other podcast recommendations. Very welcome to promote your own podcast on there. All that good stuff. It's a very, very nice little community of listeners and, and like-minded people, basically. Come and join us on there if you are on Discord. Like I said, you can buy merch. We'll have merch coming very soon for our fifth anniversary in May. And uh, apart from that, thank you very much for listening. And we'll be back next week with something completely different. I know I say that every time. It's pretty different. It's pretty different. Yeah. It's not like movie vehicles to this one, even though we did have a break in the middle between those two. They're the fa- these are two fairly similar it, ones. It, it, it's pretty different. I don't think we'll be covering any of the films that we mentioned today <laughs> next week. But who no. knows? There might be there There's might be a one film I mentioned that has a sort of actual hmm. thing in the thing, which I'll tell you guys after the end of this episode. But yes. Mm. But mostly no. See you next week. Bye. <laughs>